you what. You want to defend the magic artifact, and I mean defend it good, then what you need is a top-quality knife. The Eviscerator is one of the finest, if not the finest, tactical folder on the market today. We're talking 440 stainless, quick release, and... Now, I don't believe this. Is this a staghorn handle at this price? It is, yep. It's a staghorn. At this price, you have got to be kidding me. That's got to be some kind of mistake right there. Now, you folks at home, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that can't be staghorn. It's got to be the cheaper manicure horn. But I've got the specs right here, and I'll tell you what. This is the real deal. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. That's exactly what it is. I mean, this, this is, I have no words to describe this deal. Honestly, have you ever seen Staghorn at this price? No, no, I don't believe I ever have. 1101-1816 is the item number on this one. We, you know what? We're going to have to put a clock on this deal, folks. Two minutes. Can I get a clock of two minutes up two there? Two minutes at most. Honestly, I'd be surprised if they last that long. Oh. I'd be very surprised, shocked, really. Now, I know the lines are busy, people, but keep dialing in if you want a truly exceptional knife to slice up your friends in their sleep. Excellent. Fantastic. Why, hello, it is three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of April of the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Monday. It is the Rick Emerson radio program, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Ah, they gave the wrong phone number. Damn it, right out of the gates. I don't even know our new phone number right now. It's 503. Hey, you know, I don't know the new phone number either. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I think it's 503-228-4101. The best part is how you inflected up at the end, indicated that you don't really know the answer to that. Well, this is the number that's taped to the board right, here. Hold on, so let me thinking. write that down. 503 by the way, just for those who are playing the Rick Emerson Show home game, uh, we have switched studios here this morning, so you probably won't notice uh, much of a difference on your end. Uh, but we are in a different studio, which means we have transitioned, as they say, to a different phone number. Nothing in uh, radio ever uh, changes. It simply transitions, or we evolve to a different phase in the station's growth period. All right, 503-228, what? 4101. 4-1-0-1. Do we have a 1-800 number here? 1-800-344-KUFO. Let me ask you this about the 1-800 number. Doesn't that seem like a thing that has outlived its usefulness because everybody's on a cell phone? And I think if you're on a cell phone, unless you're calling, like, Hong Kong or something, you're not paying anything extra, right? I don't know. Maybe if someone has an urge and they're, like, walking by a payphone. But, I mean, if you... if you're But if you're on a cell phone, so, like, if you're in Kansas City and you decide to call Florida, it costs the same as if you're in Kansas City and you're calling somebody... Across town in Kansas City. Isn't that right, Tim Riley? I suppose so, depending on what your plan might be. I mean, so it seems like a 1 800 number is a thing that dates from an earlier era. That is from a simpler I think you time. might be correct, yes. All right, well, in any event, 
503-228-4101. If you would like to uh, join us today, and I know you would, with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings of an ironic nature, uh, whatever it is you might have. It's 503-228-4101. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or nibbler at kufo.com. Uh, it is the uh, Rick Emerson Show. It is Monday, and welcome to Day 12. Coming up uh, later on in our program, we'll talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins from the Hill about swine flu. Uh, let's see. America goes hog wild. <laughs> All right, that's fantastic. By the way, looking at the Lots of Laughs prep service this morning, I saw that there is, in fact, and I'm not making this up, there is, in fact, a section called, this is radio in a nutshell, I was looking at the uh, at the show prep service uh, that is enabled here within the walls of CBS Radio Portland. There is a whole section of comedy called Swine Flu Hilarity. So we'll uh, we'll have some of said hilarity later on today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins joins us today. We'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenbaum uh, from New York City today. And uh, is Jim Roop available or is he? Uh, he is indeed. Elsewhere. All right. We'll talk to a CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, also joining us today, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here in the studio to count down the, uh, the wrap of the weekend at box office. Uh, we have that interview with Kiefer Sutherland. We're going to be playing later on today, later on in the show. We'll be playing uh, our marquee interview with Kiefer Sutherland of uh, Lost Boys and 24 uh, fame. That's uh, coming up. We've got a, a Taser Watch on the way today. Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, and we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Brett Michaels at the Roseland. Uh, this will also come with a meet and greet and the chance, I swear to God, I'm not making this up, the chance to join Brett on stage for the last song of the night. Nothing but a good time, as made famous by... Will this by, be uh, like a duet? Poison. No, I I think it'll be... I don't believe it's going to be a duet. Okay. Um, uh, that'll be uh, later on today. We'll give away a pair of tickets to see Brett uh, Michaels at the Roseland, and along with that comes a meet and greet and your chance to uh, to belt out one of the hits from yesteryear uh, on stage with Brett Michaels. It's all very exciting. 503-228-4101. We're joined today, as always, uh, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello, and how are you today? Hello. I'm doing fabulously, despite the fact I'm going on, like, no sleep. Yes, you and me both. Wait a minute. Why are you going on no sleep? Because I was nervous, because I came in, like, a half an hour earlier than I usually do today, and I was really nervous that I was going to sleep in for some reason, so I kept waking up every hour, like, on the like on the 30. So I woke up, went to bed at 10, Woke up at 11.30, 12.30, 1.30, 2.30, and then finally woke up at 3.30. I'm like, okay, I can't do this. So we'll mention this a couple times today. Doesn't it, 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 We're not going to dwell on it because it doesn't really affect uh, doesn't affect all y'all out in uh, Radio Land. But we are in a different room today than we have been for the last, I don't know, couple of years. Uh, so we uh, we started on the coin tower. I mean, this is just a, it's our tenure here at CBS Radio. We started on the coin tower, and then we've uh, been in, in a room over at First Avenue, uh, in downtown Portland for a couple years. We're still at First Avenue, but we've moved down the hall to the studio where Court and Fat Boy and Buzz and Lisa Wood and Crystal and Cash and everybody else, uh, where those guys are, which is not really that much of a change. But, of course, we're all creatures of habit here at the Rick Emerson Show, and so anytime anything anywhere is altered in any form, uh, we all kind of freak out about it. And by all of us, I mean Sarah and myself. So... So you got no sleep because you were sort of weirding out about being in the studio today. Well, yeah, you didn't want to oversleep. You wanted to make sure you were here on time. Exactly. And I do the punk show in here. But um, when I do the punk show, Lisa Wood runs the board. So I've never run this board before. So I was a little nervous about that, too. And so I was psyching myself out. And then my upstairs neighbor decided to play, like, horrible, like, 
Pussycat Dolls music all of a sudden at 10 o'clock at night. And I could tell that she remembered because we're friends, but I think she didn't remember that I have to wake up so early. Right. And so it played for about five minutes. And then I was, halfway through, it just cut off. I know. I was just getting ready to get out of my bed and like go up and say something. And then I heard like the music snap off. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, I myself am going on about two and a half hours of sleep, which is fantastic. And speaking of the Pussycat Dolls, um, the reason that I'm going on very little sleep is because I just got back from Las Vegas uh, last night. I was in Las Vegas to see Britney Spears on Saturday night. And you know what I did not realize until we got there? Is it the opening act for Britney Spears? The Pussycat Dolls. Oh, my God, really? Because And so we talked about this on Friday, and I didn't think Britney Spears uh, would have an opening act. Tim was sort of the impression that she would just make everybody wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, Ms. Spears... We'd just sort of sit backstage, and then it would just be a bunch of geegaws advertised on the screen, or it would just be house music or something. Um, and there was that, but the Pussycat Dolls were the... Because as we were going into the to, to the venue, the MGM Grand, I mean, it was just a it was just a horde of people. We'll t- I, I made a bunch of notes about it. We'll talk more about it um, later on. But um, So I was in Vegas this weekend to see, to see Britney Spears at the MGM, which was fantastic, by the way. But as we walk in, you know, you sort of go by the by the merchandise booth, and there's all of these uh, Britney shirts, all of them awful. And then there was a handful of Pussycat Doll shirts, and but, but, like none of the advertising had said anything about that. Like it didn't say that the way we got the tickets. It didn't say that online when I when I bought the uh, you know when I actually bought the tickets. It didn't say anything about it like on the marquee out front. So I don't know if that was some sort of a. I mean, it couldn't have been like it was a last-minute addition, but maybe it was a thing where Ms. Spears doesn't wish to have, like, you want to share the, the bill with anybody. So it was kind of sprung on, on all of us. So we walk in, and they said, and also tonight, Pussycat Dolls, which was <laughs> really play, just... don't you? Well, they did, but I mean, I guess I was just sort of t- distracted by the... While I was watching uh, the Pussycat Dolls, quote, perform their hit... You know what it was like? It was like being in one of those strip clubs that's on television. Uh, and I don't mean on television like on HBO, like at the Bada Bing or something. I mean, it's like when you're watching an episode of CSI, you're watching something on network TV, and there's the scene where David Caruso has to go to, uh, you know, like he has to go to, to uh, a strip club to try to beat a confession out of a suspect. And it's one of those strange strip clubs that only exists on network television where there is no nudity uh, at any time. There's just a bunch of women gyrating around in bikinis and then sort of a in the background. That's what the Pussycat Dolls uh, show is like, where it's just these uh, five chicks sort of romping around uh, like in their uh, their lady things. And then sort of a bad in the background. That's what it sounded like above me last night. <laughs> and, then it, and then occasionally just, uh, you know, like a, what's up, Vegas? And then everybody screams, you know, and then it's like, and then I wander out to the beer garden uh, to buy my, my wife something to drink. So... Uh, in any event. So, so it was we, good. It was fantastic. Uh, so we went to Vegas um, Friday night, saw Donnie and Marie Osmond on Friday night, which was righteous, by the way. Which I could just imagine. Like, so you, the, here's the I thing. don't think you can say Donnie and Marie and say righteous. Oh, yes, you oh, can. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. It was like so much better than I even anticipated it being. So um, we saw Donnie and Marie on Friday. Then we saw Britney Spears on uh, Saturday. And then I don't even remember what we did uh, Sunday. It was just kind of a blur. I do remember that we got to the airport last night and found out that our flight was delayed and therefore our connection, uh, connecting flight in San Francisco was going to be impossible to catch. And there was this very weird uh, moment where I had started making backup plans where I was going to fly to Seattle and rent a car and drive here from Seattle last night, which would have put me here about half an hour ago. Uh, because I was just bound to determine not to miss uh, the show today. So that did not happen. I'll kind of give the whole 
I don't know. We'll give the whole the whole, the whole not terribly interesting story on that. Did you meet on? I, I want to find out if you met Marie Osmond. I did not actually. Oh. I oh. No, I try. I'm sorry, it's like it, like it's a personal failing of mine. I I did my best, man. I, I know you, <laughs> sons of bitches, get off my back. Um, the uh, because we had been told that Donnie and Marie usually Marie sometimes Donnie that they just sort of hung out in the lobby of the Flamingo, which is where they were performing. And um, I, maybe that's the case, maybe it's not, but it certainly wasn't the case uh, that night. Let me just make this one real quick observation uh, about the Osmond show, and then we'll move on. And I got, I mean, I got a whole bunch of stuff to say about this. Um, I'll just say that we were so far and away the youngest people there. I mean, I mean, just you are not. It's the rest of the world that doesn't take care of itself. I, I found that out. <laughs> I really? found that out at the George Michael concert. I go, who are all these old people? Why are there people my age? It's just those people have let themselves sort of d- disintegrate. B- because we're in this business and tend to take better care of ourselves uh, than the general public, when we actually go out to a concert and see people our own age, um, they basically have spent their last few years at KFC and McDonald's and... They go around to the drive-up and start all over again, basically. It's one endless loop of trans fats. Excellent. All right. Uh, anyway, it's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. So uh, it's coming up. So we'll, talk, well, I'll give you the recap on the whole weekend, and we've got the Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins joining us later to talk about swine flu. And uh, i got to quit saying it like that, because if it starts killing thousands of people every day, then it's going to be less funny for me to say it like pigs It hasn't space. yet. I'll let you know. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Swine flu, what does it mean to you? Well, let's uh, sit down and talk about this first. The swine flu has yet to reach Oregon, but state health officials say they're preparing for the worst. The state is getting 107,000 doses of Tamiflu. So we have, uh, what, about 3 million people here? And so only 107,000 people will be allowed to live. No, we're only uh, 30,000 doses of Olenza have been ordered. <laughs> That is not the official well, stance of CBS well, Radio. That is the mathematics of it, isn't it? So, but of course, it's not going to ever come here. Health officials say if swine flu starts swelling in Oregon, they can quickly su- uh, supply these uh, drugs to patients. So anyone who starts getting the flu symptoms is asked to visit the doctor immediately and stay home from work or school. Don't go hogging that swine flu vaccine, though. Don't be a don't be a flu virus hog. So some of the other things going on, let's talk about uh, some of these national people. The CDC acting director, Richard Besser, says eight of these cases are in New York, seven are in California. There are two each in Kansas and Texas and only one in Ohio. We do think that this will continue uh, to spread, uh, but we are taking aggressive actions to minimize the impact on people's health. So it's a public emergency. Yes. Nothing. I was just going to say. No, this is what they say. Aggressive actions to guarantee people's health. Don't you always just imagine that means that they're fine and the people who have this and they're just sticking them in a small, dark room somewhere from which they will never be allowed to exit? Yes. All right. So uh, Janet Napolitano uh, says the Department of Health and Human Services is issuing an emergency. The government can't solve this alone. We need everybody in the United States uh, to take some responsibility here. If you are sick, stay home, wash your hands, take all of those reasonable measures uh, that will help us. Is this really what we're being told to do to a possible pandemic is wash our hands? Yes, people have forgotten. That's how you you know the government doesn't know what they're talking about, uh, by the way, is they'd like for us to uh, stop the seventh seal from being broken by going and giving myself a good scrub. All right. Boy, it's a good thing I wasn't traveling recently. Ew. Mm. All right. Well, 
That's fantastic. So in New York City, there are eight cases so far, and Mayor Bloomberg said the number of students affected at a Queens high school... Well, they've all been sent home for now. They're going to give those schools a good scrubbing today. We tested samples in our public health lab yesterday and determined that they were probably swine flu. And today we can tell you uh, the CDC has confirmed the diagnosis of swine flu in children whose samples we sent them. By the way, I wonder if the other uh, species involved with this flu are sort of jealous because, you know, it's not just pigs. It's a, Here's the creepy thing about this. And by creepy, I mean fascinating. Is that it's equal parts human flu, swine flu, and avian flu. Mm-hmm. Which is not the same thing as SARS, right? Was SARS different from avian flu? Yes. All right. Just checking. So don't worry about it. Can't keep it straight. I'm not worried about it. So New York City's Health Commissioner Thomas Frieden says these flu symptoms for the kids are concerning, but the symptoms are mild. It's obviously concerning the size of the number of students who are affected at the school. And it's obviously concerning given the severe illness in Mexico. However, it's reassuring that every case we've interviewed has been mild. Uh, The White House says uh, President Obama did shake hands with the sixth Mexican when he was there, but he's okay. He has advice for us concerning the swine flu. Everybody listen. In the absence of symptoms, you shouldn't go get tested. Uh, That's going to crowd any sort of either public health or private health infrastructure. Uh, If you are sick or you do have symptoms, then you should take precautions. All okay, right. fine. Okay, so, so don't worry about it for now. And, and, and get off your ass and go to work. Yeah. All right. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley at the news desk. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, later on, we have a CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins and Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. And an interview with Kiefer Sutherland, ladies and gentlemen. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. She told me she'd love me and I told her that I'd do the same. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up uh, in just a few moments, uh, Tim Riley at the news desk with more of your information and edutainment this morning. Coming up later on, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. This, however, from New York City, CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello there. Hey, good morning. How are you, my friend? How's things? How are life? How's oh, th- wait? Things are good, but uh, stop reverse. Not good if you're working for Pontiac, though. No, 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 indeed. Uh, so I, I saw this. They were, I guess, sort of, as they say, softening up the ground late last week. Where they sort of they start to leak some of these details in advance, so it's not just a huge body blow to everybody when it happens. But so General Motors, they just. Uh, they're just going to be dropping the Pontiac brand, right? Like, it's just going to cease to exist, which is sort of astounding. Can you believe that? The, the brand that gave us the Pontiac GTO, the, the muscle car, the excitement division at GM will be no more. They just put out their latest viability plan, and in that plan they announced that they will be phasing out Pontiac through the end of 2010. And that leaves them with their four core brands, they said, uh, which are Chevrolet, Cadillac, Buick, and GMC. And this is despite the fact that Pontiac sold more cars than Buick here in the U.S. Uh, Buick is a rising star in China. It's very popular there. It's a, it's a sign of upward mobility if you have the uh, a Buick you know, there uh, in China. And they love the big Buicks, so they see that as an area of growth for the company. So that's why they're holding on to Buick while getting rid of Pontiac. Not so much the Pontiac Firebird. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because uh, the the Pontiac G8 is really popular with uh, car 
uh, industry analysts and critics, and it's a popular car with the car rental agencies and and the agencies. You know, they buy huge fleets of cars, so you would think that uh, that would be enough to sustain Pontiac, but I guess not. So is it? Wait, so the Buick is a, is a symbol of I don't know some sort of a keeping up with the Joneses or whatever the uh, whatever the equivalent of that is in let's say China or the rest of the world. So does that mean that in in that part of the world it is now about 1959 or something? I mean, are they kind of just entering that Mad Men phase of their existence? Isn't that funny? I guess they're, you know, they're like uh, reverting to the, the, the 50s and 60s. You know, your parents uh, had a Buick and that was a big deal. I guess so. Hey, let me just, do you watch the show Mad Men by chance? I do not. Uh, you know, I, it's one of those shows where I caught on to it uh, too late, got wind of it too late, and, uh, and it's like, I, oh, I got to catch up now, you know? Well, see, now I can't make any of these observations. I was in Vegas over the weekend and I was going to make the observation that it does seem inevitable. I don't know why they haven't had an episode of Mad Men where that advertising agency, where they all go. Uh, to Vegas for the weekend, perhaps, is some sort of a reward for landing the, that big account at the firm or something. I mean, unless they think it's too obvious, because the show does take place. It has that 1961-62 uh, vibe, so it seems like a, it seems like an inevitable uh, uh, confluence. Let me uh, ask you uh, really quickly, and this is, is not really what you're, what you're talking about, but I mean, are they? Are, is there any sort of issue with how you're going to work or what they're doing with you, you at the office because of the uh, the, the, the the swine oh, flu swine and so flu? forth? Yeah, you know, I, I hate to sound like uh, a doubting Thomas here, but you know, it is it is sort of contained to one school so far. Eight students were tested positive after well over a hundred said they felt sick, and uh, the kids had gone to Mexico for a school trip. They uh, did not have severe symptoms. They they presented relatively mild symptoms for the flu, at least. And so it, it seems to be uh, localized and not spreading right now. They haven't seen an increase in flu cases around the city or a run on anti-diarrheal medications at the, at the drug stores. So, you know, just washing the hands, carrying some Purell, that sort of thing. Try not to lick any doorknobs. Exactly. See, this is... And again, not trying to, uh, not trying to be, uh, I don't know, contrary for its own sake. But I mean, unless I've, unless I've really uh, missed something here, everybody that they've diagnosed that had this in the United States, like nobody's died from it. They all kind of went to the hospital and the hospital said, well, uh, stay off your feet, have, uh, have plenty of liquids and, uh, you know, right. This is one of those, this is one of those uh, spreading illnesses that makes you uh, not want to touch anything in the subway. Yeah. Well, like, because that was my plan all along. My plan when I was at the uh, at the MGM Grandma's this weekend was just to walk along and just to uh, lick all of the steps before I went into any building. So, right. don't touch the railing on the stairs. You know, D- don't hold on to the pole in the subway, and uh, yeah, and and carry uh, you know some hand disinfectant uh, wherever you go. Can I just tell you this real quickly here? Uh, when I went to uh, I went to a restaurant this weekend. And it was so weird. It would, for like no readily, and I don't think it was the swine flu thing. It looked like it was sort of mounted there. As you walked into the restaurant in the sort of lobby before they sat you down was just a huge kind of a, it was like a big, it was like a water cooler, but sort of spherical. And it just dispensed that instant hand sanitizer. Really? Yeah. Which I guess is sort of a, uh, like a nod to the fact that Vegas is just, uh, just filled with filthy people who are spreading their hands everywhere. So well, I, guess, I guess that means because everybody's touching the chips and uh, the chips, you know, I guess maybe that can spread germs. I don't know. Well, because they would say that currency is the filthiest thing you could possibly touch. And I never really thought about right. that until just now, because you are not only touching currency, but then you're touching a bunch of clay chips, which is you know, just uh, crawling with microbes at any given point. So, yeah, I hey, can, go I, can I can I do a total non sequitur here? Because, yes. you know, I'm watching CNN all day while I'm here in, in the studio and they're doing a segment on uh, American Morning right now called Judging the President's Cool. 
and they've got some guy on. I'm not sure where he's from. Uh, but uh, if this is the guy who's, uh, you know, in charge of saying who's cool and who isn't, I'm not so sure uh, I trust him. All right, is this on CNN? Well, see, now I have to go. F- now I have to go find a screen capture of that, sir. He looks like, you know, let's say you were watching uh, Revenge of the Nerds in the '80s, and one, and there was the one guy in Revenge of the Nerds who was trying to be cool. I think it'd be this guy. All right, so he's the Mr. Blackwell of presidential judging. Cool, cool commander in chief. It says. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, fair enough. All right. On that note, I got to go uh, give myself a good scrubbing here. So. I get totally distracted by this. That's ah, okay. You know what? It's uh, it's part of uh, the tapestry of uh, you know of whatever. It's part of your own personal cool, sir. Thank you, All right. Steve Kastenbaum. <laughs> Thank you. Wash your hands. All right, done and done. All right, that's Steve Kastenbaum from uh, CNN Radio, New York City, ladies and gentlemen, where there are hardy people. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Tim Riley's tracking the following headlines on this Monday morning. The swine flu hasn't hit Oregon yet. A pregnant woman is chased by a bear and then hit by a car. She'll be okay. One of the actors on Lost faces charges of sexual battery and harassment. An Oregon boss's moral, I should say morale-boosting prank of pretending to gun down an employee leads to a misunderstanding. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. A British Columbia couple are caught having relations in a dumpster. The Blazers suffer a heartbreaking playoff loss. It was the worst day ever for a Milwaukee man. Loses job, drives home, and... Finds a house on fire. That's just ahead as the Rick Emerson Show picks you up and makes you feel good as you start the work week. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. We continue next. It's the Rick Emerson Show live from Portland, Oregon on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. One time I did actually confess that I um, made out with my teddy bear. The Rick Emerson Show returns. On Rock 101, KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. It's Monday morning. Thank you for coming by. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Straight ahead news with Tim Riley later on. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, from the Oregonian, Christy Turnquist, who will do a wrap of the weekend uh, box office. Later on, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, ladies and gentlemen, plus uh, Geek Watch on the way today, Snuff Watch, and more. It's 503-228-4101 at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. This just in, GM will cut 21,000 U.S. factory jobs and get rid of the Pontiac. Can you imagine that? The Pontiac, who brought us the Firebird and the GTO and... Classic commercials, this one from 40 years ago. All rise for the judge. Judge, the special great one from Pontiac GTO. That's Paul Revere and the Raiders. And there was, uh, what was the other song I'm thinking of? Little GTO, which is, I believe, Jan and Dean. Who did Little GTO? Is that Jan and Dean or is that the Beach Mm. Boys? Jan and Dean, I think. I think it was Jan and Dean, wasn't the Beach Boys. Yeah, so... I mean, I mean, I'm not even much of a car guy. Everybody sort of knows. I mean, I kind of have, I have maybe a little bit more than a layman's knowledge of cars, but not. I mean, I'm, but I'm not, you know, one of the sort of the automotive freaks that sort of just knows everything about about everything in the vehicular world. But I mean, the Pontiac is a, it's a big slice of American culture, really yeah. is. I mean, it's a, it, it very much it exists in that same sort of pantheon as all of that kind of classic Brian Wilson California madman imagery. The, the the Firebird was Pontiac's answer to the Camaro. That's right. And uh, wait a minute. And so the and the Firebird this is a dumb question. The Firebird and the Firebird is the thing that just had that Phoenix uh, mm-hmm. on the hood. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
And I think we've had this discussion before about the very first muscle car, which uh, I, some people, I think, point to the GTO as being that. Yes. So it's just it's odd, man. I mean, it, it didn't really, there's certain things that one just sort of takes uh, for granted. And you just figure that the things that are never going to go away and they're going to kind of exist forever. And that's that's one of them. It's just freaky. Here in Oregon, one boss's attempt at morale boosting left one employee running for his life. James Clithero uh, apparently climbed two barbed wire fences. And ran a half mile after he thought his boss, Chan Peranto, had shot and killed another employee. What kind of business are you at where there's barbed wire fences around your office? So this fellow walks into the company's warehouse and sees Peranto and another employee arguing. After a few minutes of bickering, Peranto pulls out a gun, points it at the employee and fires. (laughs) Terrified, the other guy runs from the scene into a nearby neighborhood. He was led into a house to use the telephone. The 24-year-old told authorities what he witnessed, and nine patrol cars were sent to the scene. Where is this at? It doesn't say exactly, but when police arrived somewhere in Oregon, they discovered nothing more more than a group of men playing football. What uh, uh, Clithero had believed to be a homicide was nothing more than a prank involving a cap gun. Parento explains, quote, We like to have fun at the shop and horse around. It keeps up morale. (laughs) Uh, bosses and their wacky death reenactment games. Well, that's fantastic. Well, you need that these days. Yes, you do, Tim. One needs to laugh, which is, by the way, and we were just talking about this during the break, which is, by the way, uh, every time. Let me just say this about Vegas and needing to laugh. So we had heard, um, it just Laura and I had heard from her dad, who is a huge Vegas enthusiast and just sort of and follows. Her dad does two things. Her dad knows a lot about the economy and her dad is a big gambler. Um, and uh, so he's been kind of under the weather lately and he hasn't been able to get to Vegas, but he's been kind of tracking what's going on there. And he told us that Vegas was experiencing kind of a slowdown. He said that the recession was hitting the casinos, which I have to tell you, I didn't believe. I thought it was because you always think that there's sort of recession proof industries. One is booze. Uh, the other is whoring uh, and, and, you know, and drugs, guns and gambling. And I have to tell you that Vegas was I'm not going to say it was empty, but boy, it was at like 40 percent capacity compared to what I've seen in the past. It started when we landed at the airport. So you get off uh, the plane. It was at McCarran International Airport when you mm-hmm. go to Vegas mm-hmm. and the airport seemed deserted. And I kept thinking, well, is it is it because it's early in the day? And then I realized, no, no, no it's not early in the day because we That's landed. That's a little unnerving. We landed, uh, yeah, we got off the plane in Vegas at around five twenty on Friday. And I mean, that's I mean that that's prime traveling time because it's 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 Friday in in you know not summer but it's spring mm-hmm. at the it's the end of the week it's uh you know everybody's got enough work everybody's flown there and I mean it was probably I mean I would say it was at. 35 or 40 percent of what it typically is in terms of the amount of foot traffic and it was weirding us out we kind of kept looking around and trying to figure out if we were missing something or if there was like if we were in some weird underpopulated wing of the airport and so then we get our car we go down to um to downtown vegas by the by the uh plush el cortez which is where we were staying and downtown vegas was a little empty and then we went to the strip later on and there was just no one there I mean, it was what? it was weird. The new strip? Nothing. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, like MGM Grand and the Luxor mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, just, you know, the wind. I mean, the the main drag in Vegas. I mean, the, the place that they dip, that they show now whenever they want to show what Vegas is all about. I mean, I mean, there were people there, but I mean, it was like you were there. It was the crowd. And I'm saying at like six o'clock on a Saturday night, nine o'clock on a Saturday night. The crowd that we saw there was the crowd that you would expect at maybe I don't know, maybe 10 o'clock on a Monday morning. I think it was really bizarre. Hmm. It's 
that was distinctly unnerving. The fact that and and here's the other thing about that. So the prices on everything have gone way up in Vegas, and that's bad news too because you realize that everything. They, in other words, the prices in Vegas have gone up to what they would normally be. So if, no more like ninety nine cent margaritas. If everything wasn't being subsidized by gambling, yeah, because because gamblers come and they sort of pay for everything, and then it lowers the prices for everything. Everybody else, not so much the case. So it's that is a thing that I never really. Uh, I never really anticipated. But fortunately, Carrot Top is there to uh, to make you laugh your troubles away, ladies and gentlemen. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. Well, a pregnant woman uh, ran away from a bear when she was struck by a slow-moving car. Uh, she said she's going to be fine. Here's a little bit more about that. Oops, is my pot up? Mm-hmm. It is. Let's try it again. Let's try it again here. Odd. Oh, hang on. It might be on my end here. Would you like me to insert some more Carrot Top references? Uh, do it. Do a Danny Gans reference. Do a Danny Gans. Oh, here's the thing about Danny Gans. Uh, so Danny Gans, who is a source of ongoing fascination to me because he's the, the uh, not unlike myself, he is the entertainer of the year uh, now, like four years in a row in Las Vegas. He's now become so famous they don't even have his picture on billboards there anymore. It just says, I swear to God, it just says Gans, and then below <laughs> that it says like, at, at who the, is he? Who is Danny? He Gans? doesn't matter. He's some guy. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's. He's just some weird, completely smooth and featureless performer who does things that are unknown to me, but apparently is a is a big deal. All right, once again, Tim Riley. So here's the story about the uh, the pregnant mom being hit by a car while running away from a bear. I heard a rustle behind me, and a bear came out of the creek, and I was about two feet away from the bear. I went to go up the gravel like hill that they have on the side, and you've got to cross a bridge. And I was trying to cross the bridge, and this lady hit me with her car. She said something like, I I slowed down, I slowed down, and I pulled myself off of her car, and then I was screaming at her that a bear was chasing me. <laughs> it's a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you're having to explain to anybody that a bear is chasing so you. So you have a lot of like, double whammy stories today. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's one in the lose column, especially if that place where you're explaining it is on the grill of a car. Then there's the poor Oregon City man who gets fired from work, drives home, and his house is on fire. Uh, Victor Gonzalez... Said there was a silver lining. Hadn't he gotten, if he didn't get fired when he did, he wouldn't be home in time to watch his house burn. I guess that's one way of looking at it. The fire broke out shortly after 9 a.m. at the house. Luckily, everybody got out safely, thanks in part to his uh, 12-year-old daughter. He said he knew everything would be okay, and his uh, daughter would be there to help things out. For now, he's just grateful that everyone got out safely and is proud to have his daughter on his corner. So that's that. But he got out, apparently he was... Uh, he lost his job early and came home, and the house is on fire. Now, but was he the only person at the house? The daughter was home. All right. And she so. got out. Then two people are rescued when a boat catches fire in the Columbia over the weekend. The Coast Guard said the owner of the 33-foot boat reported the fire early yesterday morning. He and one other person aboard got into a life raft and floated away from the planes. Uh, the ex-mayor and son of Astoria survived a plane crash. It uh, happened in the Columbia River. Crash landed near 17th Street and Astoria. Several people witnessed the crash, including uh, one of the crew of a nearby uh, pilot boat. So they're okay. The Blazers have a heartbreaking playoff loss over the weekend, so they get one more chance, and that's going to be tomorrow. Let me just say this. So last night, uh, and I'll tell the story next hour, this whole uh, this sort of planes, trains, and automobiles confluence of events of me trying to get home from Las Vegas yesterday. Um, and I finally did get home. I got to bed at around, I don't know, got to bed at around 1 or one thirty or something uh, last night. That must be night. very refreshing to be in this early after that much sleep. I have to tell you, I, actually, well, you know, and it was on the one hand, I mean, you know, you you get to bed at like one thirty, and then like three thirty, up and at him. Uh, on the other hand, I if you if you were watching my if you were watching my Twitter feed uh, last night, 
And by the way, so what is the deal with your BlackBerry, Sarah? When I send out like a, a Twitter update, do you does it alert you that like you've just received something, or no, do you just, just happen to check? No, I just have to check. So if I, I have an application on oop, on my BlackBerry where I can just uh, click on the Twitter thing, and you have then, the tiny and just, yeah, Twitter then thing. click update, and then it'll update like whoever is updated in the past. So I started sending these updates out from uh, from the airport uh, last night because we got there, and it was just a whole uh, huge uh, boondoggle with our with our flights or whatever. Can you send them from an airplane? Um, not that I would ever do that, Tim. But yes, you can. I am Safely. to understand. Well, of course it's safe. Because of course it's safe because your cell phone won't crash the plane. I mean, does the girl say no twittering and buckle your seatbelt? No, they do. Like, you know, they do say this thing about you know we'd like to remind you that all handheld electronic devices must be turned off and whatever. And I looked around and I realized it's not just me that there was like five or six people just within eyesight. Uh, they were just kind of rolling their eyes and then continuing to just tap away at their iPhones or something. Um, but I had it had gotten so bad last night, and it just and I won't say what airline when I was using, but they were just so unbelievably incompetent and rude about uh, because first they blew the chance for me to get on the plane, and then I mean they and they sort of realized that they had just mucked the entire thing up, and so they were being really unhelpful about it because I think that they did I think they realized that by being helpful they felt that somehow. They were they were admitting to fault. Yeah, they, right. That it, they were sort of admitting guilt uh, and incompetence, both of which they just had in spades. But it had gotten so bad last night that I had started making plans to fly to Seattle, rent a car, and drive straight from Seattle to here because I calculated out that I would be able to land in Seattle at twelve thirty, get into a rental car by one, and get here by four thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that was my sort of backup plan, and I was already on the phone doing that uh, when uh, another airline stepped in and was able to uh, to sort of fix things cool. for me. So we'll talk more about that. All right, straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will uh, give us the weekend wrap-up uh, regarding the box office. And later on, our interview with Kiefer Sutherland, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, plus I have the uh, I have the drink menu from the Donnie and Marie show at the Flamingo, which is fantastic. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, K-U-F-O. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, K-U-F-O, Monday morning. Are you smelling your string cheese? Yeah, because I had a new one <laughs> in my refrigerator, and then I had an old one, and I couldn't tell if this was the new I one. I don't think that one. ever goes bad, though. I think string cheese stays good forever. I mean, unless the outside was, unless it was moldy or something, and then you would know. But I think, I think other than that, no, I think this is okay. I think lacking any sort of external indication of, uh, you know, that it's sort of gone off, uh, I think it's probably okay to eat. <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right. Well, I'm just just saying. Um, I think cheese is one of those things that doesn't ever really go bad, right? Because it's already isn't that the deal with cheese that it can't go bad because it's already bad, because it's curdled. You, yeah, I think you can cut off the moldy bits and still make it. That's what I'm saying. All edible. All right. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. It is uh, Monday morning, and good morning to you. Uh, straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Rupp will join us from Los Angeles. Later on, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. We'll talk about the weekend box office. Later on in the show, we'll have uh, our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland, ladies and gentlemen, alongside singer-songwriter uh, Jude Cole, uh, who's in uh, for part of that as well. Tim Riley is... Jude like the coolest name, too. Jude Cole is fantastic. Here's what's great about that guy. So Kiefer Sutherland and Jude Cole came through town. Because they've got a record label. It's called Ironworks uh, Music. And they got uh, four artists, uh, one of whom, a band called Billy Boy and Poison, who are quite good. Uh, kind of a Black Keys uh, sort of a thing going on. So we're playing uh, that song. And so they're, you know, out on like a, a promo tour for it. And they, I mean, they're no fools. They understand that Kiefer Sutherland gets, you know, he brings a certain amount of uh, heat, as they say, a bit media attention. 
Jude Cole is the guy who does a lot of the the day to day sort of hands on stuff at the label, and he's a guy who had uh, some hits in the '90s. He had some hits at rock radio, including one called um, "Start the Car," and then some top forty stuff. And he was kind of a like a much better version of Brian Adams in some way. I mean, that sounds a little daft, uh, but it was you know, that was kind of the deal. And now he's transitioned to being the guy who co runs the label and just like the coolest guy. Um, they were both uh, they were both very very uh, very and very they're personable. best friends, and it's kind of cute. And I think they met when, it's like, Jude Cole was playing guitar at Kiefer Sutherland's wedding or something. Anyway, they'll tell the story. So later on today, our uh, marquee interview uh, with Kiefer Sutherland. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on this Monday morning. So the government says, if you don't want to get swine flu, stop traveling and wash your hands. Done and done. Two-thirds of Mexicans who said they have the swine flu, but they've been declared fine and sent home. What's better, going home or having the swine flu? It's up for them to decide. A public emergency is declared in the U.S., but don't take it so seriously yet. Schools are closed in New York, California, Texas, so everything can get a good scrub down. The world loses a golden girl. Gays may legally get married in Iowa starting today. One of the lost actors is facing sexual battery and harassment charges. A British Columbia couple is ha- uh, caught having relations in a dumpster. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time you've done that, I don't even know the rest of the story. All I know is that headline. You can see the picture of the dumpster on my website. Can I see? Is the, yes. is the couple pictured in flagrante uh, there this as well? This is after they it? left. All right. Okay. So it's just, is it sort of like a, as you can see, this is a dumpster. This is the dumpster in which the carnal relations were had. It's now available for honeymoons. Yeah, that's great. All right. It'll be, it'll be like a theme room at the mm-hmm. uh, at the Mirage. Ew, All right. That's a particularly dirty dumpster. Wait, hold on. Now I have to look. Um a second. Uh, is this at Riley Live, Tim? It certainly is. All right. Let me look at uh, Riley Live, which is Tim Riley. It's Riley's, under the uh, B. Arthur video. Uh, RileyLive.com. All right. It, there's enough room in there for two, possibly three. That is oh, so Oh, wow. Gross. It's not big enough for like a swingers club. I mean, I guess, well, I mean, I guess when you said like, it's a dumpster, I mean, I sort it's of. It's a dumpster. I mean, <laughs> I thought maybe it was one of your more upscale uh, dumpsters, like one of your more posh. That is a filthy, disgusting dumpster. Well, it was vacant. Uh, this is not. So was there garbage? Was that garbage yes. in there when they were? Are you it out? Sh- now, are you sure that this isn't like a, a dumpster similar to the one in the story? Are you sure that this the is the, the well, or sort of like a like the like the British newspapers do this especially, where they're like they'll have a story about you know they'll have a story about like a sausage or something, and so they just show a picture of some sausage somewhere in the world, and they say a sausage much like this one, but it's not the actual sausage. Is that this is the actual dumpster? So if you go to RileyLive.com, you can see this dumpster in which a couple was caught having biblical knowledge of one another. Mm-hmm. That's just altogether disturbing, and it looks like an old dumpster as well because it's like all metal and it's blue. It doesn't look like uh, well, like one of your more their, modern dumpsters. In their defense, it was dark. I don't know why we're doing things in their defense, but it was dark. So they thought it might if have it been... it was dark outside, why would you climb in the dumpster? Maybe they thought it was a Volkswagen. I mean, it's, who, who could say? I mean, it, I don't know. Is this a dumpster? Or is, it a, is it the back of your car? I can't really... I don't know. Get inside, baby. Maybe it was a vacant hole. <laughs> yes, it was, Tim. Moving on. It's... Uh... I'm sorry, I have a little something. I have a little swine flu in the back of my throat. Um, go wash your hands. Don't travel. 503. i got to go get me a big jar of Purell. Don't we have a thing of Purell in the other studio? We changed We did. Uh, I think we went through it all. We but we changed, do have the uh, wipes right here. I brought them in. I'm trying to make this hygienic in here. So we have moved to a different studio. Uh, it probably won't sound any different uh, where you are. But where we are, we've been in one room for a couple of years, and we've moved down the hall uh, to the main KUFO studio today, So which is probably covered in Listeria. So, uh, in any event, it's, it says uh, kills flu virus right on here. Does it really? Yes. Here's the great thing about Lysol is when it lists off all the things that it will kill, including stuff that like, 
like I suppose it kills that, but it's like you would never be in a pot. You would never be in a situation where you can really use it to prevent it. In other words, like where it says like, you know, kills the clap or something. And it's like, well, how I mean, that lot of good that does you. It's a Lysol wipe. I mean, I don't know how you all uh, engage in your private business at home, but it it seems like if you're using Lysol as some part of a uh, an intimate encounter uh, with somebody that I mean, you've got larger problems than worrying about whether you get the you know, like bacteria or something on you. And yes. I, in any event, it's uh, 503-228-4101. Still to come today, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, Kiefer Sutherland. I do want to uh, read this really quickly. So I was in Vegas over the weekend, and lest anybody think that I was irresponsible by coming home so late last night, I just, we, we Laura and I had booked this trip to Vegas, I mean, months ago. I mean, it was like in December or something. It was as soon as we heard that Britney Spears was going to be at the MGM Grand. And by we, I mean me. Because I heard she was going to be at the MGM, and I just, I went online immediately, and I'm like, I'm buying tickets. And she came home and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm buying tickets for us to see Britney Spears in uh, Vegas in April at the MGM Grand. Hold on. Click. Purchase. Done. So it was just a thing I decided we had to see because it's part of the popular culture and mm-hmm. so forth. And then just by miraculous happenstance, because my wife, of course, is from um, she's from Provo, Utah, and is not Mormon now, but was uh, raised in the faith. And there was just like the greatest coincidence on Earth, which is that Donnie and Marie... Uh, we're playing at the Flamingo the night before. So it's like that time back in 91 when I came to Portland to see Metallica and Carcass was playing at La Luna. And it was just a, it was a million to one shot. <laughs> so we go to Vegas. We land there at like, I don't know, 4.30 or 5 on Friday. And we, I don't even think we went to the El Cortez. For, I think we just kind of kind of kicked around in the strip for a while. And then went to the Flamingo to see Dottie and Marie. And it, it was just the strangest uh, group of people, too. Uh because you really ask yourself, like in 2009, who is going to see the Donnie and Marie show? I mean, apart from uh, my wife and I. And it was a, a whole group of people who were either older than uh, we were, or if you believe Tim, who just sort of appear to be older because they uh, perhaps have not tended to their bodies as a vessel of Jesus. So Donnie and Marie come out. And I have to tell you this. First of all, uh, Donnie Osmond, st- I mean, I know it's clean living and all. He still looks good for a guy who's 51. Still looks good, can still sing, and he was really singing, too. There was no lip-syncing going on with him. Mm. Donnie Osmond still looks good, sings well, and then I know she was on Dancing with the Stars, so it's not like, I mean, it shouldn't have been a huge surprise, and I, and I know they're just the whitest of the white, but I have to tell you, Donnie and Marie can still dance, too. I mean, I know that sounds like the lamest thing. Boy, can they dance. You guys have no idea. Donnie and Marie... They put on a heck of a show. Do they dance together? It sounds like unbelievably Caucasian to it me to really say does. this. Uh, but I mean, but it no, was do impressive. They dance together like couple dancing. Well, not like sexy uh, dancing. Although, let me just say this about Donnie Marie and uh, sexy dancing. You know something I never realized at the time, sort of back in the seventies, but is very apparent now, and I mean disturbingly so, is how many of those Donnie Marie songs sound all what's the word incesty? Because it's a lot of like. Weird couple songs, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like a lot. It's sort of a just the two of us kind but of thing. I barely thing. know Donnie and Marie, and that's occurred to me a billion times. They just seem really weird. It's, I mean, I'm not suggesting there's Maybe anything. Maybe the Cyruses should make an album of those tunes. <laughs> I'm not suggesting there's anything untoward happening, but it's like those Christy and Jimmy McNichol songs, uh, where it's like they're brother and sister, but it's a whole lot of when I look deep in your eyes and my hand is on your thigh or whatever, and you're yeah. just sort of listening to it, going like, what's going on here? Are they performing in Vegas also? No. Christy and Jimmy McNichol aren't performing anywhere. I'm sorry, Rick, but I have rehab to say, clinic. you had the most flamboyant weekend ever. I did. It was just... Honestly, it, Donnie and Marie, and then you had to go see Britney Spears. Yes, it was exceptional. And so let me just <laughs> I'll, I'll wrap this, this segment up. Wait, are you being sarcastic? 
I'm just saying, if I didn't know you, I might think that you were a gay man. I well, I'm just saying one can appreciate one Hell, can appreciate I'm all, I'm, all I, brands of entertainment. Everything Sarah. that you did, I'm I'm kind of envious of. So Donnie Marie came out and they did. I it was here's the thing about that Donnie Marie show. It is the very definition of what you think a Vegas show should be like in in ways both good and bad. I mean, I'm not. Let's not confuse it with like you're, like you're going to like tonight at the Met or anything. I I mean, it is. It's kind of corny and it's kind of tacky, but it was fun. And they did. It was this whole thing. They did singing. They did dancing. They did comedy. They sang all the hits. Marie. Although you can tell that there's some songs they're just sick to the teeth of, because those songs are the ones that they would sing like three lines of. <gasps> did they do a medley? They did not even a medley. See, a medley, although Donnie uh, Osmond at one point did sing, and I can hear people uh, cringing as I say this. You'll have to trust me when I say it's not. A, it wasn't as bad as I'm making it sound. Donnie Osmond did a Stevie Wonder medley at some point, uh, about, like about two-thirds of the way through, which is just the most surreal thing on earth. The, the, Donnie Osmond is up there belting out signed, sealed, delivered, which was not which was not bad. I mean, he had, I mean, because the guy can really sing. He always, I mean, if you listen to those old Osmonds records, like One Bad Apple, uh, I mean, Donny Osmond can can really sing. I mean, it's not his fault he was born in Osmond. I mean, that's just a that's a little bit of cosmic joke. So, but they they didn't do a medley as such. But they were doing this thing all night where they would show classic Donnie and Marie footage, like from the TV show or from concert performances in the seventies when they were you know when they were a huge draw. And then at some point, the concert footage of the song would then shift to the live footage as they would walk back out on stage. And they did that with the songs that they are clearly sick of singing. So, uh, like Paper Roses, which is Marie Osmond's huge, like, country hit, she let, like, a video screen version of her from 1976 or whatever sing about two minutes of that song. <laughs> and then she just comes out on stage at the end, seamless transition, does the final chorus herself, done, finished. Um, Donny Osmond did the same thing with, um, Jesus, like, Puppy Love or something, where he sang, like, two lines of it and, let, like, let a video screen, uh, sing the rest. But, uh, I mean, and they did like a big Motown medley, I think, at some point. Uh, he sang Soldier of Love, by the way, from 1989. Soldier of Love, anyone? Hello? I don't think no. I know any Donnie and Marie songs. You know Soldier of Love, 1980. You, you would have been, like, you you been like 10 years old. I don't old. know that one. I don't it was a big, huge top 40 hit in like 1990. About How that. does it go? Like a thief in the night. Oh, no, I know that. Who guy. can't get enough. La, 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 la. I'm a soldier of love. Did they sing Yo-Yo? No, they did not I'm sing Yo-Yo, and they didn't sing One Bad Apple. You know what they sang? They sang Crazy Horses, which is sort of a little-known Osmond's rock song. That's when they tried to give them a rougher edge, and it didn't work. That's, uh, you know, it worked for me, Tim, and it worked when they performed it. Uh, did it, they sing I'm a little bit country, I'm a little bit rock and They roll? did. That was the other one that That's they're That's the sick only of. song that I know. <laughs> That's the other one that they're totally sick to the teeth of, you can tell, because they just let, uh, like, videotape Donnie Marie sing most of that. So, uh, later on, I have this, uh, Donnie Marie, uh, menu from the performance. So I saw one of them. I saw one of the guarantees of one of the drink it's, specials. Uh, I'm just, and I'm gonna say this right now, I'm not gonna lie, I stole this. Uh, the, uh, because there's that thing on the, on the table where it's like the, like the plexiglass, uh, menu holder that has the menu slipped inside of it. And so we just, uh, I didn't steal the plexiglass thing, but we totally stole the menu inserts out of it because it's fantastic. Um, uh, I had to say, they must, they must be used to that. Uh, Donnie looks good. Marie doesn't look quite as good. And she, that thing that you see that I say sometimes I joke about how she can't really hold back the crazy. That's, uh, that's not just me joking anymore. That is actually the case. She's, she's nuts and just barely, barely, barely restrains it. Um, uh, and then we'll talk, I'll tell you about the Britney, uh, thing.
later on. We're just scratching the surface of this week. There's so much to get to, Tim. Later on, uh, CNN Radio correspondent uh, Lisa Desjardins joining us from Washington, D.C. as well, plus our interview with Kiefer Sutherland. More news with Tim Riley ahead and CNN Radio correspondent Jim Rupert. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Monday morning. 503-228-4101. Coming up here just a few. CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Later on, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. We'll talk about the weekend box office. Our uh, feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland uh, coming up as well. Ooh, plus uh, more recap about Donnie and Marie at Flamingo. Could I be whiter? The answer is no. How exciting. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Swine flu and you. Yes, America goes hog wild and you're being warned not to travel and wash your hands. At least don't go to Mexico. Well, I shouldn't say that, but you're being warned. Uh, here in Oregon, nobody got the swine flu yet, but the state is getting 107,000 doses of the vaccine. So do the math on that. There are 3 million people living here. Really, Tim, if we want to live up to our billing as a kooky morning show, we should offer some kind of a prize to the first person in Oregon who's diagnosed with swine flu. That'd be great. And we should get some of those face masks that have KUFO. <laughs> like the sort of, like the kind that Michael Jackson is always wearing, the, like yeah. the sort of, hello? The, uh, I think it's a great, and we could advertise on the inside too. Sort of a, where it just, you mean, you talk about like the medical masks yeah. with the little, the, like the paper kind that it pinches across your nose. Uh-huh. And then it would just say like, Rock 101 across the front or something. Yes. And then we would have, wait a minute, let's, do we have any, uh, any pig related artists, Sarah? Do we have like a, a pig, pig, pig back or, I don't know, some, some rock band that has pig in the name? Um. All I can think of is that March of the Pig song by Nine Inch Nails. Oh no, what about, uh. Hog, hog breath or something. I, I. What about Green Jello? Three little pigs. Three little pigs. There you go. Okay, tomorrow, top five pig songs. Okay. All right, there you go. Uh, tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, the Rick Emerson Show counts on the uh, top five. Not that we're not taking this health uh, the crisis seriously or whatever, or this pandemic. And nobody knows what a pandemic is, by the way. It sounds it's, great. But, I mean, the, the, the pandemic, doesn't it sound like a pandemic sounds like some sort of a made-up variation on a real word, like epidemic, like sort of in Spinal Tap when they're on Polymer Records, which isn't real, but sounds like it could be real. A pandemic sounds like some sort of a fake science fiction thing. Like when they're just, here's what a pandemic sounds like. The word pandemic sounds like when you are watching a movie and they are clearly trying to depict a real person or company, but they can't use the actual name. So they change it ever so slightly. And so like Donald Trump becomes Donald Clamp or something. Mm -hmm. That's what pandemic sounds like. Uh, no one knows the difference between that and an epidemic and a something other demic. Speaking, a- speaking of fake stuff, I saw this commercial on TV. I very seldom watch live TV, so I don't see commercials. But I saw this commercial for Juicy Juice Brain Development. Apparently, it helps children's brains develop. I I thought it was fake, but it's real. For a what? It is brain development juice for children. A brain by- development juice? And yeah. what is the name of it? Juicy Juice. And it's... Uh, I don't believe real scientific products are given names like Juicy Juice, Tim. It's, it's Juicy Juice Brain Development. <laughs> and it sold at Target. I don't it's understand. supposed to help children's brains develop. That's almost certainly not going to work. But how does it help their brains develop? Uh, let's see here. Uh, the claim is, uh, or it doesn't explicitly claim, that it'll make a child any brainier. The Juice website does include a statement from a pediatrician 
that claims critical brain development takes place between six months and two years old. So apparently this juice makes kids smarter. Is this just because you have to have water of some kind in your body or else your brain just becomes like a dried out corn husk? Maybe. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, well, hey, if, look, if they can sell that, we can sell the KUFO swine flu prevention mask. That sounds great. Time for a snuffwatch. Uh, are we uh, just, uh, okay, let's, okay, let's do this and then we will be joined in the midst of this by Jim Rupp. Here's your snuff watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah. B. Arthur has passed away. The Emmy Award winning actress passed away at her home in Los Angeles. She was 86. She's best known as TV's mod and the quick-witted Dorothy on The Golden Girls. Strictly off the record, but Dirk's nearly five years younger than I am. (laughs) Then what, Blanche? Dog years? Uh, I see the Hallmark Channel, by the way, is already going to be doing a whole marathon of the Golden Girls. They, they're quick on the draw, man. It, 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 she hadn't been dead like five minutes, and the Hallmark Channel sent me an email. Like, they, my BlackBerry buzzed, and it was like, the Hallmark Channel announces Golden Girls Marathon. And for those who don't remember the 70s, Maude was uh, actually a spinoff from the Archie Bunker All in the Family show. Let her go! I got my chair back! Archie, you can have your chair. Only don't move it around too much. You'll crush your brains. <laughs> Uh, Maude asked your daughter to get her some marijuana. I did you a favor. You do me a favor. Honey, I've got to have some marijuana. <laughs> now, please, Carol, call one of your weird friends. Mother, I would love to help you, but at the moment, I don't know anyone who smokes grass. You raise a daughter and what happens? <laughs> she turns out all right! <laughs> Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, the home of the stars of today and yesterday, Cena Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. And pending swine flu. Yes. Is that, well, now, wait, do you all have it in California yet? Yeah, we have seven cases, several more pending, but yeah, it's it's here. I was talking to uh, to Castabam about that today, and he was just, you know, he's got that, Castabam's great because he's just got that quintessentially uh, New York thing, where he's just like, I don't know, swine flu, schmine flu, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to lunch. So, <laughs> hey, uh, so B. Arthur, let's talk about B. Arthur for a moment. Yeah. Um, so she was, well, she was 86, which is, it, it, it's strange, though, because she's one of those people that I just sort of assumed would never, ever, ever die. Just seemed like she was going to be around forever. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Um, and I thought she was 86 back during the Golden Girl age. That's what everybody else I mean, thought. that's the thing. Like, I never, I don't. How old was she really? I have yeah. no knowledge of her ever being a young person. I mean, it's sort of like Abe Vagoda in that regard. Well, even remember back when she was on, I don't know if you remember this, because you're a lot younger than I. However, the uh, All in the Family, and then uh, her series that spun off from that. Maud, we were actually just talking about Maud, which was sort of scandalous in its day because it covered a lot of, uh, there was a lot of uh, edgy material. We had the clip here where she was asking her daughter to get her some grass, some grass, some uh, some reefer. Mary James. For, for, uh, for some reason. I, I don't remember why. I mean, I don't even know why Maud would be asking for weed. I mean, Because I, it was the 70s. Because that's what you did. Yeah. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a kind of a scandalous abortion issue yeah. uh, that they raised. Uh, there was a, something about, I mean, they're like a swingers episode of Maud. Yeah, and, and yeah, but you see, those were the, those were days when the idea was to push the envelope with socially poignant issues like abortion or drug abuse, not shock value for the sake of 
of uh, getting censors all in a tizzy. And now it's a guy just having somebody set fire to his ass or something yeah. on television. <laughs> or something strange like that. Which I say, like, is just a goof, but that's probably happened at some point. I mean, like, if we were able to do a quick search of everything that's been on TV in the last six months, probably some show where a guy had his ass set on fire. I mean, that would just that's just a guess. So. There have been reality shows about guys with firecrackers, but we won't go, we won't yes. go too much farther there. So she was so she was eighty six. So she's dead. Estelle Getty's dead. Uh, yeah. Rue McClanahan still alive. Alive. Betty White uh, alive. still alive. Still profane. Still yeah. kind of hot in a strange uh, in a strange sort yeah, of way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Rue McClanahan's another one that I don't remember ever being young. I mean, I no. remember seeing her back on like uh, I think she was in an episode of Mash or something, and I remember I think I remember seeing her on like. I know she was like Bonanza uh, or something uh, way back when. So. I probably wouldn't recognize her as a younger. As, as her younger self. Well, there's a whole series of people that you probably wouldn't recognize. Like I did, this weirded me out. At one point, I was talking about Abe Vigoda, who yeah. you reckon you watch uh, The Godfather, and Abe Vigoda looks like he's about a thousand years old then. Yeah. And somebody, somebody showed me a photograph of Abe Vigoda when he was like 20 years old, and it just blew my mind. It was like one of those things that shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, you know, like it, it was just like, it was like time started running backward or something in my well, head. Th- there are a lot of actors who they don't really reach their peak or their prime until they're older. And so that's how we are introduced to them at the beginning. I mean, they may have had a career on stage or have done commercials or have been a working actor for a long time, but like when Barney Miller hit is when everybody began to know who Abe Vigoda was. That's what right. about this Susan Boyle? She's allegedly 47 and she looks like she's 67. Oh, the, da- the, uh, the, the, uh, yeah. the American Idol Britain uh-huh. woman or whatever. So. She's going to be older than that. Well, I mean, she's got that whole thing where she's like lived at home or whatever. She has that weird kind of British kind of stocky sort of like her her body is just made out of squares. Yeah, uh, that and bad teeth. <laughs> exactly, just made made of cubes and fat. Yeah. Um, you know what? That'll all change. She's already redone her hair. She's you know she's using contact lenses now instead of glasses. I think some personal trainer get a hold of her. Yeah. They'll transform her into uh, something that is more presentable for. For the people who want to sign her to a record deal or whatever, I mean, she'll she'll get a makeover. Heroes, heroes fall hard, uh, Jim. Um, hey, so I, I have no real segue here except to talk about B. Arthur, and then I've been mentioning that I was in the I went to Vegas over the weekend, staying at the lovely El Cortez. By How the way. was that, dude? That place it never get. I mean, it never gets dull uh, staying at that casino because. And I did verify this weekend that if you see the El Cortez, which is like the, the absolute like ass end. Of, of of Fremont. I mean, it's, it's like dead freaking last before it just becomes nothing but j- just pawn shops and just a vast expanse of body-filled desert. Um, the bulk of that hotel, because Laura and I found some vintage pictures of it from like 1944, I think, because it's the oldest... It is the oldest still operating casino in Vegas. In other words, it is the oldest casino in Vegas that is still around. It was run by Meyer Lansky at one point. And there's a bunch of photographs where you see like you know, like the sort of Rat Pack guys who are hanging around uh, in front of their cars. And if you compare it to the actual casino as it exists now, about 80% of that original casino uh, is, is, in other words, uh, of the existing structure, about 80% of it has always been there. Um, it just, and you can tell, because it's like this squat, one-story building that they've kind of expanded on over the years, but not too much. I mean, they've resisted all of the urges to renovate it or to make it. I mean, it, it looks like something, uh, you know, like out of uh, it looks like something out of Hogan's Heroes. I mean, it's just <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it looks like a place where you'd be keeping detainees of some kind. And that's why I love it. So um, but so I was there on the night as part of it. Uh, my wife and I went to see uh, Donnie Marie at the Flamingo. And Marie Osmond did this whole uh, riff about how she was on Dancing with the Stars uh, or whatever, which is and I know you've got the, there was some. Was it like a guy stalking somebody from Dancing with the Stars? That what's his name? That Sean Johnson uh, yeah. guy stalking uh, somebody. 
um, uh, Robert. Or he's Ryan, being stalked by. Yeah, he's being stalked. Uh, Sean Johnson. And he claims that they have some sort. Of, I mean, who stalks a guy from Dancing with the Stars? First of all, it seems like that's really well, downgrading. Sean Johnson is the female gymnast. She's seventeen. Wait a minute. Who am I thinking of then? <clears throat> Sean Johnson. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of like. Um, I'm thinking, thinking of a snowboarder guy. Yeah, see, I was thinking of a, I was thinking of like a, like a basketball player or something. Well, shows what that, shows what I know. So, no. So anyway, so, so there's the stalking going on, and like in L.A., they don't. I mean, that's like a, not a thing they screw around with at this point. Post Rebecca Schaefer, I mean, if you stalk somebody, they'll stick you in a small hole for the rest of your life. Oh yeah, and this guy, um, he he drove from Florida to L.A. because he says. He's convinced Sean Johnson was communicating with him via television and ESP. And so he knows he has this psychic connection with her. He's 34. She's 17. He shows up at the CBS studios where Dancing with the Stars are being taped last month, hops the fence. Cops arrest him. They find a loaded shotgun, a loaded handgun, duct tape, and love letters to Sean Johnson uh, in his car. Uh. So, hello. Yeah, the and the thing is, of all of those items, obviously none of those is a thing you want to find in the guy's uh, car if he's stalking you. The duct tape is the most unnerving. Yes, you know, because uh, there were intentions there to whisk her away. <laughs> yes, to a to a love chateau that he has prepared somewhere. <laughs> Come to my casa de amor, Sean Johnson. I've got some duct tape, by the way, so don't make any noise. Jesus, just a is a world gone mad, Jim Roop. I thank God for us. All right. Hey, uh, I bought you a little something nice from the El Cortez, so the next time I see you, I'll uh, I'll pass that your way. Okay. I, uh, I hit the gift shop on the way out just for you, my friend. Thank you. All right. As always, have a fantabulous day, sir. All right, buddy. Right, there you go. Right. Jim Roof in Los Angeles. Oh, hey, speaking of gifts, I have gifts for you, Tim and Sarah. Oh, you didn't have to. Yes, I. Uh, I'm very I, excited. I so I have. Uh, yes, I have uh, goods and uh, goods and merchandise today. All right. Thank you. you. Yeah, that's what I all right, it's 503-238-4101. Uh, straight ahead, more from Tim Riley at the News Desk, plus uh, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here to talk about weekend box office. Lisa Desjardins from Capitol Hill and our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland. That is all on the way. It's the Rick Emerson Show, Monday morning on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in ADHD. He treated me like a dirty whore. Hey, free sex! The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. KUFO. I, I don't know who's being treated like a dirty whore. In that. I think you said you were being a dirty whore. Well, I am what I am, Sarah. A leopard cannot change its spots. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up next hour, CNN uh, Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will uh, do the uh, weekend wrap-up for the box office. And our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland uh, coming up later on as well. This at the news desk is your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Now we'll get to the swine flu thing in just a minute, but first, since you were speaking of Britney Spears, the father of Jamie Lynn Spears' baby was injured in a car crash early yesterday morning. Uh, this happened after his pickup truck flipped over at the Mississippi-Louisiana state line. Uh, his name is Casey Aldrich. He was airlifted to a hospital with a skull fracture around the hairline. Wait, he's not dead, though, right? So no, I can, I can no he, he'll, he'll be around to impregnate somebody else. <laughs> His seed was uninjured. Uh, when you when you said it happened in the Mississippi, the Mississippi Louisiana state line. So when you when you talk about it, like the, his car flipping over the Mississippi Louisiana state line, in my head though, it's like happening Duke Boy style, where it sort that, of freeze frames, thinking, yeah. And the Waylon Jennings comes on. Damn gummit, how that case you gonna get out of this one? Oh, wait and find out after this. Get out! Wow. You sound like the knife guy. <laughs> the I cannot believe. 
Uh, and then and then we come back from the break. And we come back from the break, and then the freeze frame of Casey Aldridge's car continues, and then it just explodes into flames. And we're done. Here's Tim Riley. So there are only 20 confirmed swine flu cases nationwide, 10 in New York City. 140 students report symptoms. Schools are closed in New York, California, and Texas to give them a good scrubbing. Nothing here in Oregon yet, but if we do get it, they have ordered 107,000 doses of Tamiflu and 30,000 doses of Relanza. Tamiflu is like a regular uh, kind of a flu, except it works at a cosmetology school. Yes. So if you do the math, this is 137,000 doses of this, and we have over 3 million residents. So not right. everybody's going to be able to have it. Well, uh, Tim, so the, herd, plan ahead. the herd has to be thinned occasionally. This so is like that a everybody Twilight else... Zone episode. <laughs> Get out of my shelter. Uh, okay. <laughs> a woman shoots a man after an argument on the bus. How many people have thought about doing this? I mean, it's not a good thing. So a woman's hassled on a bus <laughs> in Seattle, and the guy continues to hassle her, spits on her. So what does she do? She pulls again and shoots him. A uh, guy spits on you, he gets what's coming to him. That's what I said. I mean, really, because... He deserves it. Well, no, here's the... Here, when did this happen? Tim? This happened uh, recently, uh, as of yesterday, on the Seattle bus. Okay, here's the thing. He could have been carrying swine flu, uh, yes, you know, which it means that he was, in fact, uh, threatening her with a biohazard weapon. Right. She was just protecting herself. That's what I mean. Did he she was sh- hassling her on a metro bus, which escalated. The woman and the man exited the bus. The man continued to argue with the woman, and she pulls out a gun, and ba-boom! Is he... <laughs> Is that how the news department conveys Ba-boom. actual like gunplay at this point? Is by saying we don't have the sound bite yet. But boom, is he dead? Uh, no, well, not yet. Well, I mean, where did she shoot him? Does it say like was it in a just like right she in the shot face? Him in the or? Chest. All right. Well, you know what? Don't be she spitting could, on she people. She could have shot him in the head. Seriously, and he would have had Do it coming. Again, you'll get it. Seriously, just spit on people. You get what's coming to you. A uh, seventeen-year-old Pennsylvania boy has been arrested for making an alleged death threat on the Facebook. Apparently, he threatened his girlfriend, which is a very bad thing to do. Uh, a chihuahua's been blown away in a hurricane. A- and a tornado, I guess. Like actually blown away, sort of da 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 style. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, a big gust of wind took away Tinkerbell, the chihuahua, from the Dixieland flea market. And the owners haven't seen it since. So if you happen to see this uh, chihuahua... This seems implausible. No, this is a true story. The, the tornado took away the chihuahua. Why would the tornado... Okay, well, I understand. Well, the winds, and this is only a five-pound dog. But I mean... So but, if you have a five-pound... Hang on to the chihuahua in the high winds. But I mean, it was from a flea there's market. There's a tornado coming and leaves her five-pound dog outside. Well, that's there, my they, thing. Well, why was the flea market still open? It is the Dixieland flea market, and it's open every weekend. Well, I guess Dixieland Highway. I guess I guess people got to get their good the Louisiana Mississippi line. They're, they're good. <laughs> they're, true. People have got to get their uh, comestibles and sundries somewhere. Uh, then we have the tale of the couple caught down and dirty in a dumpster. This happened. First, I read it was Vancouver, and then I said, well, par for the course. But Vancouver, British Columbia? Well, well that doesn't happen very often. I Not never. our coup, but the Canadian version of Vancouver. Maybe they misread the signs and thought they were in Washington State. That could have been it, and they probably thought it was a Holiday Inn or something. Are we in Washington? I don't know. Quick, let's hump it out in a trash bin. So there was a call of suspicious activity in a dumpster <laughs> by whom we don't know. The officer I'm sure they were attractive. I'm sure he discovers a man and a woman engaged in uh, colonel pursuits. It happened at one forty-five in the morning. It was dark, and they were called out uh, to the people in the dumpster. Apparently, there was no response. You there? They were knocking <laughs> on the dumpster. And, and Tim, if the dumpster's uh, uh, so, is the dumpster closed? Well, it is now closed for business. Yes. No, but I mean, there. at the time, did they have the lid down? Oh, I don't know if they list, lifted the lid or not. How did they... Um, well, they they thought it was vacant, wherever they thought they were. Let's back up. Yes. How is it... Okay, well, where was the dumpster located? Like, was it outside a business? Uh, let's see. A, yeah. An alley? 
an alleyway, yeah. All right, so how how do they even know to come inspect said dumpster? I mean, were they did somebody call and complain? Apparently so, yes. They heard noises in the dumpster. They thought it was a, a little bit louder than a cat. They, they thought it was some sort of an animal that was <laughs> uh-huh. trapped in there. Yes, uh, or two animals. And so they, so the cops come and they look inside, and then there's just a whole lot of right. like. Well, they knock politely as Canadians would. <laughs> Pardon me. What what seems to be going on inside this? And then what's going on inside is there's. They were naked and intertwined. Oh, wow. The best part is Sarah was taking a big slurp of her coffee right now. <laughs> naked and intertwined, having sex in a dumpster. Think oh, on that. Not on a bunch of like. Yeah, all I'm thinking is like Kentucky Fried Chicken bags. I mean, like rotting lettuce heads. But they were there for Popeye's Earth Day special. <laughs> <laughs> Revisiting Friday's program. I have someplace real special I want to take you. Uh, have you ever? No, he was a younger man at 26, and she was the older woman at 30. Well, well, any port in a storm, Tim. When really, when uh, when Lamour strikes, uh, there's no uh, there's no denying that. Now, the woman was sent home because she is a lady. Not even up against the dumpster. Actually in the dumpster. Yes. Jesus. Ew. All right. I'm and the so- 26-year-old man was wanted for another charge. Well, of course. Oh, that's fantastic. So they're busy. And the thing is, and they're they're naked and intertwined. So it's like yes. not even, I mean, they suppose it was some sort of a fetish, like a, like a trash. It has to be. Why else? I mean, look. Uh, I mean, if it's dark outside and you're going to hump it out, I mean, why go in the dumpster when nobody can well, see you uh, anyway? Let's see if there's a section of Craigslist about this uh Dumpster, dumpster humping dumpster section. Hump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, uh, W seeks M for dumpster hump fest. Um, it's dumpster all... hump is a magical <laughs> phrase. That girl, she's a real dumpster hump. You know what I'm talking about. Um, the the um, back up for just one second. So sure. they're but they're naked inside the dumpster, which means, and as Sarah pointed out, if it's dark. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not encouraging you to have relations in public. That's probably illegal wherever you are. Uh, and if you have to do that, you're probably not all that hot anyway. And nobody wants to see uh, see you. So, but I mean, if you're going to, again, why not just sort of. Um, well, that's not a fast food restaurant. It's just full of old chicken bones I, and I was, mashed potatoes. I was going to say up against the dumpster, but that's like the no, least. it's inside. That's the least sexy thing ever. Honey, why don't you get up against that dumpster? Let me, uh, let me show you exactly how much you mean to me. Well, he did respect the woman. He brought her inside the dumpster. Well, ladies, ladies first, Tim. I wonder if he got the door for her. I wonder if he carried her across the threshold into the dumpster. <laughs> I wonder if they got undressed outside the dumpster or if they got in the dumpster and then take off your pants. I mean, I mean, it's just like a what, what is the chain of events that happens there? Good God. That is a good question. Imagine being the police officers looking inside and then you see some couple sort of in the midst of nature's great passion play. Uh, you know, on top of like a bunch of quarter pounder wrappers or something. <laughs> pounder. All right. Uh, well, let's do this. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's uh, Rock 101 KUFO coming up straight ahead. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. Lisa Desjardins from CNN will join us. And today's uh, interview with Kiefer Sutherland coming up as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. What a catastrophe. This is Rock 101 KUFO. the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's Monday morning. Still to come this hour, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. We'll have the weekend box office wrap-up. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will tell you to run, run, run uh, from Swine Flu. Also, our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland uh, coming up later on. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. All right. Uh, I got uh, three things we could do here. Uh, it, Tim Riley is uh, tracking some headlines. We'll find out about those in a moment. But it just I, I can do that. I can have uh, airline observations. 
I have, and th- th- at no point. They're going to make you angry. Are they happy airline observations no, no, no. or rants? No, no, no. They're actually, no, no, no. Here's the, they're actually uh, not going to, they're not rants because I no longer bitch about the security anywhere. Also, uh, at no point am I going to talk about what is up with airline food? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I've got that. I've got uh, Osmond's observations uh, for when I saw their show Friday at the Flamingo in Vegas, or I've got um, gifts for you and Tim. Presents. Right. Presence and then Osmonds. All right, so yes. we'll do presence, then Osmonds. Tim Riley's tracking these headlines on your Monday morning, ladies and gentlemen. The swine flu hasn't arrived in Oregon yet. Two-thirds of Mexicans said to have the swine flu have been sent home. They've been told they're okay. A public emergency is declared in the U.S., but don't take it too seriously yet. There are only 20 confirmed cases nationwide. Ten are in New York, 140 students reporting symptoms. Schools are closed in New York, California, Texas, and they're scrubbing things down. So let me understand this. I'm just passing this information along. I'm not. Rick Emerson is not telling you uh, to do anything with this. I'm simply asking. It says, wash your hands and don't travel to Mexico. I, That's all you have to do. Well, it looks like I've been preparing for swine flu all my life then, mm-hmm. Tim. Uh, so let me just ask you. This is sort of a point of clarification. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do to close your school now is say that you have flu-like symptoms? Yes, kids. Mm-hmm. All right. It's 503-228-4101. It's wrong to lie, kids. All right. Uh, but they do. All right. Uh, so, uh, all right. So we, we're tracking that stuff. We've got um, Kiefer Sutherland coming up uh, later on, an interview with him. I do, before we do anything else, uh, want to uh, hand out... Um, some uh, some gifts that I have uh, purchased for Tim and Sarah here in Las you Vegas. You shouldn't have. Yay! Well, here's the thing. Uh, when, when, Tim, when you say that I shouldn't have, you might actually want to save that comment and then uh, you might want to make an observation in about 45 seconds here because there is something of a disparity uh, in the uh, in the gift disbursement here. How so? Uh-oh. Well, here's the thing. Uh, first of all, I got nothing for Nibbler. So, I mean, you're both better off than he is today. So, I mean, look, I mean, at least you're, you know, at least you're not great. And Nibbler, Nibbler even showed up for uh, the Sleep Country Pajama yeah. Bowl yesterday. Yes, he did. Oh, we have oh, to talk about that. we haven't talked about that. that. Because I wasn't there. See, of course, if I wasn't there, if it didn't directly happen to me, uh, then in my world is, well, it's sort of lower it, on it the priority. The children. It was a lot of fun. Is it true that somebody on my team bowled seven strikes in a seven row? Seven strikes in a row. Jenny. Jenny Hieronymus, she did. Um, and she was complaining about being so hungover and she couldn't even focus on bowling. And then all of a sudden, seven strikes later, she has a she bowled a 244. Is she a professional bowler? No. She said that her and her husband and her kid went bowling the week before and she got a 79. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was like a freak, yeah, like a freak seven, incident. Wait, so did my team, well, my team certainly beat you then. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, Not so much your team as the five people that were representing. Uh, The five people actually cared about foster children who who cared to show up. Rick Emerson was there in spirit. Uh, not actually physically there and not really thinking about it until you called me, reminded me that it was happening, but still there in every other way. So, uh, anyway, so I was walking around and you and I had had this discussion, I think last week or maybe 10 days ago, um, about a, a device that I heard that it was like in the news or there was some article about it. And I saw the device being sold. And so I purchased this. I stopped. What and is I, it? I haggled the guy uh, uh, down. He, he was asking a certain the, the price for it, and I was able to sort of negotiate him down to. Well, you said there were no other tourists there. Uh well, it was. I mean, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty empty. That's the thing about Vegas. Even old Vegas, which is traditionally busier, I think, in down economies because it's you know there's a cheaper place to stay. Even that wasn't all that full. But man, the strip. It was. Here's the thing about Vegas is, and it's not like there was no one there. It was like it was deserted, sort of the stand style. But I would say that it was probably maybe 40% capacity. In other words, uh, if you if you say that on an average day in Vegas, like on a weekend, that there's 100 people there, 
there was probably 40 people there. I mean, it was I mean, less than half Usually it looks of like the crowd a, size. a moving ant colony that you're, you're looking down. Totally. I mean, it just it normally looks like it's a, like it's a people mover and yeah. just one endless. It looks like you're in Times Square most of the time or just an endless swath of humanity. Man, lots of elbow room, lots of breathing space, not a whole lot of people. So I'm walking through uh, Fremont Street, which is the kind of main strip that's in downtown Vegas. And that's, by the way, where I got that righteous Barack Obama shirt uh, last year. Where he's all bejeweled and he has like the pimpering on and he's wearing a crown and it just says Obama. That is an amazing shirt. <laughs> it really is like the best thing I've ever owned. Um, so there was a guy in almost exactly the same space and he had like a kiosk and they were selling. <coughs> pardon me. They were selling. That's the first symptom of the swine flu. Oh, <laughs> and you start oinking. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I grow a corkscrew tail and I begin eating garbage. <laughs> Pardon me, I have to go roll around in my own filth. Um, so th- they were, oh God, see, now I'm going to be hyper conscious every time I go to blow my nose. All right. Now I'm running down a mental list in my head of all the people who were on the plane. We shouldn't laugh. We're sitting like, oh, you have. <laughs> and you have been traveling. I, I just thought of that. Yeah, no, the I traveled like. The air was stagnant. <laughs> Why don't we all get this wine? I was on a plane eight hours ago. Yeah, I was on a plane uh, Friday, and I was actually on two planes. I had a layover in, hey, Tim, is the swine flu in Arizona? Not yet. Oh, well, I mean, not that you know of, because I was in Arizona, too. I was in Portland, then I was in Arizona, then I was in Nevada. Hey, Lots of Laughs has some timely sound effects. This is Lots of Laughs, the comedy uh, prep service. Mm -hmm. What are the, uh, this is, please stop playing those now. Don't. This is the Lots of Laughs prep service that I swear to God has a whole section on their site. I am not making this up. The Lots of Laughs radio prep service, which they offer to, uh, I suppose, uh, morning shows of every stripe and variety that need uh, someone to conjure their comedy for them. They actually have a whole section on their website this morning, which I check every day because it's fantastic, just called Swine Flu Hilarity. Can we just one more? Yes, I do. There's nothing worse than getting all drunk and waking up the next morning next to a pig. Yeah, that's not funny. Uh, anyway, so I'm walking through um, this sort of big open-air mall section on Fremont Street in Vegas, and I see a guy at a kiosk selling, yes, the electronic cigarette. <gasps> no! Right here. Oh. We talked about the electronic cigarette last week, and we had some uh, article about it. And it is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It looks exactly like a regular cigarette, and it is called, this is not the, like a, the paid plug or whatever, I just bought this. It is called Smoking Everywhere. That's the name of the company. <laughs> I want to I want to buy stock in this because the way that it happens is so the, the electronic cigarette was a thing that we had in the news where it is a small plastic cylinder that is made to look exactly like a cigarette and I guess the deal is you you I'm unclear about how it works whether you draw on it or you drag on it or you squeeze it or something but it gives like a puff of nicotine mist directly into your mouth but it doesn't actually burn. It's not actually on fire. There's no smoke. And even though the end glows as though you're smoking, that's it's just like all an illusion. It's just a plastic tube with a little canister that goes and just shoots nicotine into your mouth. Wait, it's, is like, that for, it's like if the Jetsons smoked. Exactly, Tim. That's what they would be smoking. Is it for Tim or is it for me? Uh, it's, it's for Tim. <laughs> Tim, I'm trying to get you back on smoking. It would make me look very distinguished, like Edward R. Murrow. Uh, so this is for Sarah. And so uh, you only choked Thank you, Rick. Really? So uh, the next time I forget, uh, like your birthday, or the next time I don't want to go to a social engagement, the next time I'm supposed this totally to totally bought you like three passes. No, seriously. The next time I screw something up, or I'm supposed to have done something, or shown up somewhere, and I've forgotten to do it. You remember who bought you? Uh, that thing uh, is oh, huge. That looks bigger than like a regular <laughs> cigarette. That's that enormous. That looks like a Lauren Bacall cigarette. The cigarette itself is, I would say, maybe twenty percent again as long as a regular cigarette. And you smoke those Capris. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's it's like a Marlboro. If a Marlboro were to be, again, you know, about uh, maybe maybe like 
half an inch longer. It looks uh, like it's about Sharpie size. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be charged with like a cigarette lighter. Uh, you know, I swear to God, you know how you charge this? USB. You plug it. You, there's a thing that goes into the back of the cigarette and you plug it into your computer and it charges. You got to charge it for 10 hours before you can use it. So you won't be able to smoke until like five o'clock tonight. Okay. And it comes with, I don't know, like five, uh, five little canisters, which I think is like 15, 20 packs, something like that. Jeez. Each canister is like three packs. So there you go. Thank you so much. So this is like real smoking, only the modern electronic way. Electronic cigarettes. Is, and the, the, the ad that plays as you're walking by this kiosk where they sell the electronic cigarette is fantastic because it's just this is so cool, Rick. It's a British woman's voice saying over and over again. I mean, it is quintessentially American advertising. As you walk by the kiosk for the electronic cigarette, a very cultured, distinguished British voice just says, now no one can tell you no ever again, which totally appeals to that American, like, F.U. kind of outlaw spirit. So is it actually an official cigarette? Uh, well, I mean, it gives you nicotine. Wait, I so mean, do it, you plug it into your computer? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you plug it into your computer, uh, and then the other end goes into the cigarette. And then it charges for 10 hours. That's mystifying. How does your computer charge your cigarette? Your That's weird. Your computer. That's Why a weird not? statement. Because your computer <laughs> is an electronic device. Okay. Well, it's like, you know, you plug, like you charge your MP3 player by plugging it in your computer or whatever. So you got to charge for 10 hours before the, uh, before the first, uh, you know, before so, the so first usage. So doesn't pour out of it while it's charging. No, it just, it shoots a nicotine mist right into your mouth. That sounds refreshing. And here's how they market it to people. It actually says on the side of the product, like, not to be used as a smoking cessation device. In other words, not to be used to help you quit smoking. They totally pitch that. They're like, do you want to quit smoking? Buy this. My whole desire uh, for Sarah to use this is not for her to quit smoking, because that is, of course, a private decision between Sarah and the God of her understanding. My thing is, you now have to take that uh, to restaurants that don't allow smoking oh, and absolutely. use it. Because the thing is, it's not a cigarette. I mean, it's not on fire. It's not burning. There is no tobacco inside. It's not made of paper, and there is no smoke. So there is no reason, legally speaking, why you can't use that in one of these restaurants, uh, you know, that is sort of subjected to this. this you should call fancy. K2 and tell them you're taking that into a restaurant. <gasps> That is completely true. I come up with the best idea. No, that is, that's a fantastic idea. You betcha. Because you know what? Because the smoking ban is relatively recent here. We just got it four months ago. So a lot of people in Portland smoke. Tim, you're a genius. Well, that's why I was rehired. Tim, that, Tim, that's why I got you this present. It's a, uh, it's a Naked Lady ballpoint pen, and if you turn it this I, I way... Was, I was just thinking about a Naked Lady ballpoint pen. You if, must have read my mind. If you tilt it this way, her bikini comes off, and you can see her uh, genitals. I must, <laughs> I must have one. Here you go. So can, I bring this. This, can I bring this into a restaurant? Yes. Now, now, you and Sarah each have a different phallic object you can use to uh, to you know violate uh, moral standards. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, okay, so I unscrew this. She is this. naked. Yes, she is, Tim. I no, no scrimping and saving when it comes to my friends. And she's a Vegas lady. You can tell she's not from, well, some other municipalities. How can you tell that, Tim? Well, she is uh, shapely and, and attractive. Yes, she is. And well-tended. All right. Anyway. Turn her upside down and she doesn't even get dizzy. Her clothes go back on. Moving forward, it's 503-238-4101. Well, thank you for the naked lady pen. Well, and thank you for my cigarette. Never let it be said that Rick Emerson doesn't take care of everybody at vastly varying levels. Uh, so here's the deal with that electronic cigarette. Uh, you got to use it and you got to start. Oh, no, I'll be, I'll be using it tonight. But start low entry. Like, go to some dive bar where they probably don't care if you smoke anyway. Where, okay. like, the smoking ban is probably not followed all that closely. Then you work your way up to being in a daycare. And just see what anybody, uh, what somebody says about it. Because, and here's the thing, I bet you could probably, not that I'm suggesting you do this without running it through the proper channels at CBS, I'm guessing you could probably get some uh, news coverage on that. Because, again, smoking ban, real reason, only four months ago, affects a lot of businesses, a lot of bars, a lot of uh, sort of public uh, controversy about it. That is a brand new technological in mm -hmm. uh, innovation. 
it's a thing uh, that, uh, you know, it appeals. It's a gadget. It's tech. So. Wow, this naked really lady cool. has both frontal and rear views. Yes, she does. Yeah. <laughs> so when, well, you get tar- when you get tired of one, you can always turn it around. Well, the variety this is perfect is when the, you have time to kill on the max. Variety is the key to a happy existence. Right, thank you. All right. Uh, real quickly here, I'll do these uh, Osmond's observations because Tim did request them. And uh, then later on. Oh, wait a minute. So this is. So there's, we have somebody here who's used the e-cigarette. All right, we'll figure that out. Uh, here's my Osmond's observation. So I was in Vegas over the weekend, mm-hmm. primarily to see Britney Spears, and we'll uh, talk about that here in a bit, except uh, I'll just very quickly say that it was uh, it was awesome. It was absolutely worth the, the price of admission. And here's the thing, and I don't mean any of this in an ironic uh, sense, I would absolutely pay to see that show again. Uh, Britney Spears show, to which she is entirely incidental. I mean, there's really, I mean, I have no way of even knowing if it was if They could it have replaced Britney it with Spears. a chihuahua. If they had I have, I mean, really, I mean, maybe it was her, maybe it was just some other, like, uh, skis and a wig. I have no idea. But uh, but the show itself was pretty exceptional. The night before that, we were at the Flamingo to see the Osmonds, and I just made these following, I made these following observations to myself. Uh, this is Friday, April 24th. First of all, Marie Osmond, about every two minutes, kept making a menopause reference. So, and I think there was three different times during the show when she stopped what she was doing, and it was clearly not scripted, not part of the performance. It wasn't, took a break. Wasn't like a, well, it wasn't so much a break oh. as she would have a stagehand bring her one of those big ass bottles of water, like the full on, like the huge twenty ounce, uh, you know, like Evian's or whatever, mm-hmm. and she would just drain it right there on stage. And she and she was making a lot of references, like, "Is it hot in here?" And I kept waiting for that to lead into some sort of a gag, like a like a one liner. No, clearly it's just that she's going through menopause. And here's how I know, because at one point, she actually stopped and she said, let's hear it for all the ladies in the house. All the ladies in the house say, woo. Uh, and then Marie Osmond says, here's an awkward phrase. Ladies, let's hear it for our private summers. And then as though you weren't quite clear what private summers were, she says, those are hot flashes. And then she drank some more water and went back to twirling. It was the weirdest thing. Um, she, she's been seeming to be going through menopause for the last 20 years or so. Well, going through menopause and then like, uh, uh, apparently going through a stage where she regretted having uh, eight children. Because and she, was... she left them all behind in Utah because they're happier there. <laughs> and now she's living in Vegas. That's what she said. That, that's the thing is the kids all, King. that's how you can become a happy mother is you have your kids live in a separate state because she pointed out, she's like, I'm not, this is her line, her joke that she said twice during the evening. She said, I'm now a, uh, I'm now a vegan, not a vegan. But a vegan, because she lives in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Kids, they still live in Provo. Uh, let's see, what else? I already mentioned that a lot of the Osmond songs sound very sort of incesty uh, when they're performed now. Final observation about this, and then we'll do a couple more on the other side. Christy Turnquist will join us. I have here in my hand the drink menu from the Donnie and Marie uh, oh. show at the Flamingo. Yes. I do want to hear that. So, first of all, there's a picture of Donnie and Marie at the bottom of this. So it's not like it's an accident or incidental. This is the drink menu that is on your table when you go to see their show. At the bottom, there's Donnie, uh, looking much younger than his 51 years. Marie next to him, looking uh, sort of hyper nutty. Here is a list of the beverages one can obtain while seeing the Donnie and Marie show in Vegas. This drink is the Little Bit Country. It's only $13. It's Jack Daniels Triple Sec Sweet and Sour served over ice with a splash of Coke. That is, of course, followed by the Little Bit Rock and Roll. That is followed by the Deep Purple, and these are all named after Osmond songs. And the Osmonds, of course, I mean, like if you've been locked in a small metal crate for the last 30 years, the Osmonds are like unbelievably Mormon. You can buy a drink called a Puppy Love, which is a Stoli vodka, a citrus liqueur, and fresh lemonade. You can get a Make the World Go Away, which is a creepy name for a drink anyway. Ew. Especially when you consider the fact that it's based on a Donny Osmond song. Mm-hmm. A Flamango 
which is like a flamingo, but with a mango. And then this is the best one. At the Flamingo, while you are seeing the Donnie Marie show, I swear to God, they sell a drink called a Bloody Marie. Oh, no. That is, that is three well, not olives. Not so much anymore. It is three olives, tomato, topped with premium Bloody Mary mix. I swear to Christ. It is called a Bloody Marie. Oh, no. I was so tempted to buy one and drink it just so I could say that I could. Just, just for the actual sort of experience of it. All right. We'll uh, do this. On the other side, Christy Turnquist from the Oregoni will give us the wrap-up of the weekend box office. Uh, We'll talk more about Sarah's e-cigarettes. Later on, uh, Lisa Desjardins from Capitol Hill will talk to us about swine flu. Kiefer Sutherland, our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland coming up before the end of the show as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Oh, yeah. No, she's, uh, no, yeah, no. Daddy, daddy likes her. Ew. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Seems like this Jay-Z bed keeps playing over and over again. Like, every time we come back from a stop set? Probably. Okay, no one notices. We'll fix it in post. You know what else was fixed in post was our Kiefer Sutherland interview. That's going to be coming up next hour. Thanks to Nibbler. Thank you, Greg Nibbler. You're a good man. But not uh, good enough to deserve a Vegas present from Rick. I, all right, fine. I'll get him naked lady pens the next time I'm there. Multiple pens. He can borrow mine as long as he returns it. <laughs> Don't soil it either. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. Are you uh, charging your electronic cigarette, Sarah? No, Dillon? I was going to. I just plugged it in to see if it works. And sure enough, it started flashing a red light. Yeah. And how weird is that that the tip glows exactly as though you were taking mm-hmm. a drag on it? No, because my friend, uh, Jen Lane, actually, she has one. And I've seen her, yeah, whenever you inhale, it does light up at the end. It's so weird. So is that how it's triggered by inhaling? Like mm-hmm. there's not like a little secret button or something you press? Yep, just inhaling. Yeah, the guy was... And here's just my final uh, note about the electronic cigarette, uh, which I purchased in Vegas over the weekend. The guys who stand at this sort of kiosk uh, in the middle of Fremont Street, and it's one of those kiosks that's sort of like... Um, it's like when you go to the mall and there's like the guy with the Scientology thing. He's like handing you the paint cans, the whatever, you know, like, do you feel anxious about things? Hold these. Give me some money or whatever that guy. So th- that guy, but but the version of him that sells the electronic cigarette, they have to smoke the thing all day long. So I, I flat out asked him, I'm like, do you have to do you have to inhale nicotine all day long? And he goes, yes, it's part of my job. And then it's just and then he went right back to <laughs> off the thing. Now, does one company have a monopoly on this? I don't know. I imagine that the device is patented. So there's the, this is the Smoking Everywhere uh, company in which I wish to buy stock, by the way. So I don't know if they're publicly traded or not, but that's a device. I see a big future for this. So uh, I uh, I wish to support that company financially. Because here's the thing about the uh, the electronic cigarette is it's the perfect product for me because I don't smoke and have never smoked. I am uh, I am not a fan of, uh, of cigarettes, not a fan of cigarette smoking, but they are a legal product. And so the only thing that bugs me more than at cigarettes is the, like the cigarette ban. And so this is the best possible device because it's a way to have less cigarette smoke in the air uh, and then just stick it to the man all at once. So it's the confluence of all things that I love. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian pop culture writer, Christy Turnquist. Hello. How are you today? I'm just fine. How are you? Do you smoke by chance? Nope. Never have. All right. I'm just saying uh, if you should decide to, to, to start. Maybe like in a new and exciting phase of your life, maybe the electronic cigarette, the way to go. The e-cigarette. Yeah. It's, <laughs> is that what it's called? Is it called the e-cigarette or is that like the catch-all sort of generic name for it? Do That's we know? just what I was calling it. I never heard of it until now. It's right. a perfect <laughs> gift for Mother's Day. I, uh, let's see. We've oh, got... boy, my mom would be happy. Wait a minute. Uh, I was trying to pick up this phone, but I think I've done something wrong to it. They've moved this into a new studio and I think I'm all right. Let me see if I can try this again. Wait. That's the wrong button. There Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, sir. Hello. Hey, yeah, I was called to call about talk about the e-cigarette. Yes. 
Okay, I've used the product. It's okay uh, that from a smoker's standpoint, you can only take a drag off of it like every two or three minutes. And another thing is that it can actually make you a little bit sick because it's concentrated nicotine vapors. So it's actually, uh, so it's like smoking 10 cigarettes at once. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's like having like three cigarettes at once. Fantastic. But it won't let you like over dose yourself either it kind of shuts itself down such a typically american complaint i i wish to abuse my body at a faster rate yeah it, it does it shuts itself down and the cartridges they're kind of weird too they're like uh they're tiny and uh they they like they kind of smell yeah so i uh, yeah. it came with 10 cart and, and it comes in a in like a like a whole ray of a, a whole uh a thing of like that a rainbow a range Anyway, it comes in a whole bunch of flavors, and so I called Sarius. I'm like, hey, uh, if you had to inhale something that was either blueberry, uh, boysenberry, mint, menthol, uh, lavender, or just uh, smoky, which would it be? Uh, and then so I, I picked the one that was a tobacco flavor but has the, the, the sort of – it was like the less harsh of the, of, the, of the two. Let me ask you this. When you used it, did people – like, did you use it in public at restaurants or anything? It was at a bar, actually. Did they give you any guff about it? No, no, not at all. You don't even really blow out, like, any smoke. You'll, like, maybe kind of have, like, just a little blast of vapor that comes out right at the end that when you go to blow it out, it'll just kind of barely puff out just a hair, and then it, like, disappears almost immediately. All right, so here's that. And so if there is no uh, trouble brought to your table because of this, then you have to start going to an increasingly upscale series of restaurants until you find, like, the line of demarcation at which they come over and they try to, like, uh, give you some uh, some grief over it. All right. I, I didn't actually buy the product. I just used somebody else's, but I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. All right. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right. There you go. Uh, it's 503-228-4101, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. Uh, so before we did, we got a, a couple things to handle today. One of which is the the box office recap in the weekend. And then the other is, we were talking about the passing of B. Arthur. Oh. And two things immediately <laughs> happened after that. One, the Hallmark Channel announced they were going to be doing a marathon of Golden Girl stuff. Oh it's like around the clock for like five days. <laughs> and the second is that whatever the company is that put out the Golden Girls on DVD immediately announced that they were putting out, quote, the Golden Collection, which is like all the Golden Girls episodes. But even uh, more golden. Front to back for however many seasons uh, it, it ran. I have no idea how many uh, that is. Wasn't there somebody famous that was on in the first couple seasons, like George Clooney or somebody? Yeah, I'm, th- I'm kind of remembering that he was on. Or maybe I'm so. confusing yeah. that with the Facts of Life in my Oh, wait, head. he was on the Facts of Life. He was the handyman. Yeah. Right? So I know that you have put together a small overview of uh, some of the series to which you're partial on DVD. And the series that you must own all of and the series that you must buy sort of a la carte. Yes. All right. Yes. So let's talk uh, box office and then we'll take a break, get caught up, and we'll talk TV shows on the other side. So uh, okay. where were we in the big race for number one this weekend, Christine? Well, I am just delighted to say that the number one movie at the box office was Obsessed. Because not not that I've seen it, but I loved the commercials. The commercials themselves were like a little mini masterpiece of complete kitsch. You know, this is the one where, you know, Idris Elba, otherwise known as, you know, Stringer, Stringer Bell from The Wire. You know, he's this hunky corporate type and he has this new temp played by Ali Larder and she's a psycho beyond psycho and Beyonce is his wife. And obviously the movie builds up to this big climax of Beyonce kicking the you know what out of Ali Larder and... <laughs> I want to see this movie. Fantastic. The we had Ali Larder. Oh, we did talk to Ali Larder last week on the show last week about this, and they sent like a little one sheet uh, that came with it, sort of you know explains what the movie is and whatever. 
And I mean, it's just, it sort of, I mean, it gave everything but the closing credits. I mean, it gave you the entire plot because it seems very sort of fatal attraction ish. Yes, fatal attraction, yeah, reloaded. Because there's sort of a, I think about every nine years we get a retread on that same uh, story because there was Play Misty for me. Oh, yeah. Play Misty for me was followed by, um, was followed probably by Fatal Attraction, which was followed by, wait for it. Swim Fan, which came out in about 98, 99. And Swim Fan was like, was that Jessica Beale or somebody? No, that was uh, Jesse Bradford. And then who was that? It was the Blonde girl. Was, was she the girl yeah. from the House of Glass or whatever the hell? No, no, no. That's Lily Sobies. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. her. No, it isn't her. Her name's like. I but it was like some high school girl who's all into like the hunky guy who swims. You know, yeah. who's like the varsity swimming captain or something. And then there's yeah. you know the whole like stalking and then it and then it always escalates just to like a beat down. Yeah, just someone's ass always gets uh, beaten senseless <laughs> at the end of the film. That's where the audience wades through this ninety minutes of direct melodrama just to see this uh, sort of ecstasy of violence unfold in the final few minutes. Yes, the big yeah the big cornball catharsis excellent uh so that's number one and uh, yes. following that zach efron he's with us to stay apparently yes. yes 17 again it held pretty well at the box office and and right below that was this thing called fighting starring this guy named <laughs> channing tatum i like the idea that there's a movie just called fighting <laughs> yeah yeah there's another one just called boobs and explosions and things <laughs> on fire rolling down a hill see it now just fighting i know it's like calling a movie Action. Yeah. Stunts. Channing Tatum. Is that a combination of Cheryl Tatum and, uh, and Tatum O'Neill? <laughs> I was actually wondering the same thing because when you hear... It sounds like a girl's name. It does, doesn't it? It sounds like she could have been in Swim Fan. I think Channing, Channing Tatum is a guy, a guy, though, isn't it? He's a guy. But it's one of man's name is Channing <laughs> See, I was just going to... like what kind He's of... kind of like, I don't know, like kooky frat boy looking, but like He's roided he... out frat boy. He yeah. would almost have to be very pretty, though, to get away with that name. You can't be, you can't be a guy and be called Channing Tatum. Uh, what was school like being called Channing? <laughs> I mean, it does. It seems like a series of. It seems like a series of other names that were just sort of put into a hopper and crammed down. SAG had no other names available, <laughs> so those were the two choices. Is that the deal with where like if you go and you try to register your real name and is, is it like registering a like a Hotmail account or something? Yes. I'm sorry, Sarah Dillon isn't available. Would you like Dylan seven five 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 two nine underscore S at Hotmail? Great, you know, wonderful. Channing Tatum. I mean, it, it, it sounds like some sort of product. I mean, it's it's almost like there's a you know a website where you can you know Ugh. type in you know your name and something will be computed for you. Okay, I'm looking at a picture. Of he a, is deeply douchebaggy. I am looking at a picture of Channing Tatum right now. <laughs> Honestly, look at what a mouth breather he is, Tim. Here's, Wasn't yeah. he on some TV show or something? He's got some. He looks like he was in The Fast and the Furious or something. He does. Or he looks like he he's would another be... one of those square-headed jock types. Yes, that he, I do not like. He is a square-headed jock. That's exactly the thing. You know what Channing Tatum With looks like? Ears. I'm looking and a thick neck. He does too. have monkey ears? No, we... <laughs> I'm just a bunch of shallow bastards in like 14 <laughs> seconds. Here's what he looks like. He looks like the guy who would be in that movie. Remember that movie, Eight Seconds, with I think uh, Luke Perry. Luke Perry was like a rodeo film. I like Luke yes, Perry. No, no, no. <laughs> Channing Tatum, though. Channing Tatum is the guy who is killed early on when a horse goes sideways oh, somehow, yeah. and that and that allows Luke Perry to say something like. You gotta respect the horse. If the horse isn't gonna respect you, or whatever, and then they're like carrying Channing Tatum's broken body, uh, like out on a on a stretcher or something. Yeah, so. didn't that happen in Top Gun? Yes, that, yes, but he's that guy. But see that in every movie, he was his goose or whatever. He is the he he is the high incident guy, and that is the guy that gets snuffed early on in the film, so that everybody in the audience understands the stakes here, because this ain't a game. Just like Harry right. Connick Jr. in Independence Day. It's exactly oh. like Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> Everything can be compared to Independence Day in some, in some way. All right.
Anyway, uh, yeah, so it was a neck and neck battle between Zach Efron and Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum's got the neck uh, thing down, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's connect- I mean, it really just goes straight up from the shoulders without any sort of curvation happening. But I still right. can't believe the, the title of that movie. I mean, were there marketing executives involved? And in, what should we call this? Should we call it Maybe- Punch? Should we call it Slug? <laughs> Let's call it Fighting. Hey, uh, do you have that new movie Ball Kick coming out? <laughs> That's great. No, we're already we're, we've greenlit the sequel to that already. All right, Channing Tatum. <laughs> I'm just picturing him sort of uh, like bedecked in a blonde wig and like a bunch of gaudy sort of costume uh, jewelry. Well, and his hair extensions. Like, what what guy will tell about how a Channing Tatum lookalike? <laughs> well, and Channing is one of those names that sort of prevents you from uh, pursuing certain career paths. Like uh, Lara and I were taking the shuttle from the uh, car rental place to the airport, and there's this obnoxious couple uh, next to us, and they have a they have a baby, and they're talking to the baby. And, of course, they're talking like they're retards. Uh, you know, just speaking to the baby is as though none of them has a functioning uh, brain stem at all. And the kid's name is Darby. And I was thinking to myself that, you know, by naming, and it's, it's a boy, and by naming your kid Darby, you are guaranteeing that he will never become president of the United States because it's impossible to imagine sort of, and president, it's like having President Schuyler. So, all right, uh, straight ahead, more with Christy Turnquist, who will talk about television series available on DVD. Later on, Lisa Desjardins and our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Our phone lines are open. (laughs) Caller 10 gets my seed. The Rick Emerson Show returns. I love this Jay-Z song more than anything. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. We're here with Christy Turnquist, pop culture writer for the Oregonian. Hello, Christy Turnquist. Hello, Rick Emerson. All right. So um, you, by the way, I want to thank you for bringing in this uh, Dallas, the complete 11th season on DVD. It's just what I've been wanting. Yeah. The best part on the back here, there's a big picture of TV's Patrick Duffy uh, right next to a big picture of TV's TV's Larry Hagman. (laughs) And then below that, they list special features on this DVD. Special features, subtitles, English. <laughs> Who is it that needs English subtitles for Dallas? I mean, I know it takes place in a perhaps a different stripe of the American culture than perhaps you yourself dwell within, but I mean, really, for the love of God. So is there a big call for 11 seasons of Dallas? I don't even know if this is the final season. I mean, it could have gone for 10 years after this. You know, I, I don't even know either. Yeah, it's been gone for so long that you could say anything about it. <laughs> when is the last time anybody here watched an episode of Dallas? Oh. Here's Never the thing, the you, you watch an episode of Dallas, and the amazing thing is that there's just, you realize there's just no subtlety to it whatsoever. I mean, it was a time when everything in television was one, la- you know, one surface, one layer, one dimension, one oh, yeah. facet, and there was no... Uh, is sort of um, th- there was no sort of subverting of your of your expectations at any point. If somebody seemed like the bad guy, they were the bad guy. Mm-hmm. If somebody seemed like uh, you know like like they were the uh, villain or they were the put upon wife, that's what they were. At no point did anything ever catch you by surprise. It was like a show designed specifically for the purpose of keeping you in a state of calm all the time because nothing was ever going to be unexpected. It was it was truly about thinking inside the box. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's good enough for the general public. That's right, Tim. Um, so uh, if one were to pour through the uh, DVD uh, television collection of one Christy Turnquist, what are the uh, standout series that we would see there that people must own? Well, I, I have to confess, I have a pretty motley collection, and it's made up of things that I actually, you know, paid hard cash for and things that just sort of show up at the office, uh-huh. kind of like that Dallas 11th season. Yes. But the things that, that I make the decision to buy, 
Um, it's either a show that I just have this obsessive, you know, completionist thing about, like Moonlighting, which went totally in the tank in the later seasons, but I own, like, all the seasons of it. Are you doing it as a show of loyalty? Yeah, I guess. Moonlighting is sort of like a beloved pet that later on in life only had two legs and one eye. and That's it. You know, but in its day was a, yeah. in its day was a true and trusted companion. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love that snappy banter, you know, and that's why I have, you know, the early seasons of the X-Files, because I'm just a shipper, as they used to say back in X-Files fandom. And so you, <laughs> wait, so you got off the, so if I were to look through your DVD collection, you get off the X-Files, uh, X-Files train when? Uh, let's see. I got off the X-Files train. Uh, I have season one through four of the X-Files. And that's like, that's with me, uh, and, uh, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where I own uh, the first three seasons on DVD and beyond that, nothing. I'm the same. Yeah. First and, three seasons of Buffy. Like, even as I was watching the show when it first aired, I remember watching season six and just thinking to myself, well, this isn't very good. I'll keep watching. I'm never going to buy this though. Like, don't you yeah. wish that, that you could just, like, they could sell you some sort of Buffy greatest hits DVD collection? Well, I mean, the DVD people, evil geniuses that they are love to do that kind of thing i'm surprised that hasn't happened already i mean not only do they make you buy sort of individual seasons when they come out then they package them into box sets and then they make special editions of them i mean they might as well just sell it with like hey remember that one where they did all the singing and dancing here you go it's only 94 dollars because it's surrounded by things you couldn't possibly care less about exactly yeah so i want to like a buffy greatest hits that is just like mom dead everybody uh, dances no one can talk finale done exactly the end all right yeah um, yeah so the... i have those first seasons of buffy i've got everything you can have on, on the office both the english and the american versions i got firefly i've only got one season of entourage because i got sick of that see entourage <laughs> was sort of like entourage was like a carbonated but not terribly good for you beverage mm. that you sort of enjoyed as you were it was like certain fast food restaurants that are maybe are pleasant at 2 a.m when you're in the drive-thru and everybody in the car has uh, had a very full evening drinking deeply from the cup of life. <laughs> and the food seems really good. And then as soon as it's done, you kind of go, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, what and was that? Just sort of a deep <laughs> Mr. Creosote type uh, gurgling that starts to be like deep within the sternum. So, yeah. um, well, I apologize because we're, we're once again uh, sort of short on time here. At this time, it's completely your fault, by the way, because you were stuck in traffic. I'm, I'm sorry. Put the blame solely on you. <laughs> I will wrap it up, though. I will I will end this segment by giving you this uh, small insight into my weekend, because you were asking about how the Vegas trip was. So I went to see Donnie and Marie on Friday at the, the Flamingo, then Brittany uh, at the MGM Grand on uh, Saturday. And then uh, Sunday, we just sent in sort of in a haze of, of just walking around and losing money at Blackjack and buying electronic cigarettes for Sarah. So I've already talked about this drink menu that they had at the Flamingo, where it's a whole series of drinks named after Donnie and Marie songs, including the Bloody Marie, which uh, can be yours for only $13. <laughs> Final observation about uh, about Donnie Marie is this. It was like, you want to talk about just a study in contrast, because at the Flamingo, there's only one performance hall. And I forget what it is. It's like the, the you know, it's like the, the main showroom or the grand exposition room or something. This is the one theater that looks a lot like the Muppet Show Theater, by the way, because there's that red sort of, there's that red kind of overlaid, overly curtain that sort of comes down and then the opera box is up on top and whatever. So we're there and we're watching the Donnie Marie thing and that goes from 7.30 to like 9.30 or so. As it gets out, uh, we all stand up and we're like, oh, that was a satisfying night of entertainment. That was amusing and entertaining in many ways. Honey, let's let's go now. And we're walking out. And as we walk out, we see uh, the line forming for comedian George Wallace, who, as he is uh, advertised throughout Vegas, is funny man George Wallace <laughs> or the new Mr. Vegas. And so he's all fashionably attired and he's got like his Kangol hat on and, and everything. And we come out and it's just like, 
You have never felt whiter in your life <laughs> than when you are leaving the Donnie and Marie show and you are walking out past the crowd that is queued up to see George Wallace performing at 10 o'clock. And Lara and I looked at each other. We said, you were so unbelievably lame. I can't believe uh, I can't believe how tedious we are. Let's go get some frozen yogurt, shall we? <laughs> so there you go. All right. Christy Turnquist, pop culture writer from the Oregonian. Thank you so much. Thank you. We will see you again next Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up in the next hour, our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland and Tim Riley at the news desk. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Monday morning. Uh, straight ahead this hour, we have uh, our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, coming up at 9 o'clock at It Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. I have now this uh, note that I made myself. This is from uh, 5.21 p.m. on Saturday, April 25th. There ought to be a couple-themed French restaurant that serves desserts. Name of restaurant. Date Crepe. Date Crepe. I think it's creative for the first thing Monday morning. Here's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. No swine flu in Oregon yet, or Washington State. But we do know, here in Oregon, they've ordered 137,000 doses of stuff to combat it. So that's only a fraction of the general population, so make plans now. Here's my thing about the swine flu is, how serious can it really be if they can just use whatever they had, like, laying around for the regular flu to combat it? You know what I mean? Oh, that's true. I mean, because what they say, it's a never-before-seen version of the virus. Nobody knows what to do with it. But if they can just use the crap that was sitting... Look, there's only a couple conclusions you can come to. One is that the swine flu really isn't all that different because they're just going to use whatever it was uh, they had in a medicine cabinet somewhere for the regular flu, or that stuff that they're going to give you for the regular flu doesn't really work for the swine flu either. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, it's just more of a placebo thing to calm the public while chaos ensues. It is kind of too bad, isn't it? Boy, Obama's really having a crackerjack-like first 100 days. I mean, pirates, swine flu, recession. It's uh, It's been quite an exciting year already. Here's Tim Riley. So this is kind of fun. Uh, one boss's attempt at office humor kind of left, well, somebody confused about their workplace. James Clithero climbed two barbed wire fences and ran nearly a half mile after he thought his boss, Chad, had shot and killed another employee. This happened at the company's warehouse. He saw the boss and another employee arguing. After a few minutes of that, the boss pulls out a gun, points it at the employee, fired, terrified. The guy runs from the scene to a nearby uh, house and uses the telephone. The 24-year-old told authorities he had witnessed... Well, what he thought was the shooting of another employee. So they sent nine comp cars there. Well, it turned out it was nothing more than a than a funny prank. The guys were playing football. The boss said, uh, well, it wasn't a homicide. It was nothing more than a prank involving a camp gun. The boss said, we like to have fun around the office and horse around. It keeps up morale. There was there ever an explanation as to what sort of a game they were playing that required one guy to pretend to shoot another guy? Apparently an employee argument, as <laughs> often happens in the workplace. Is this like that thing where you fall backward off a chair and your coworkers have to catch you, Tim, but it's with, you know, a handgun? Yes. All right. Uh, a pregnant woman was running away from a bear in Denver and was hit by a car. I heard a rustle behind me and a bear came out of the creek. And I was about two feet away from the bear. I went to go up the gravel like hill that they have on the side and you've got to cross a bridge and i was trying to cross the bridge and this lady hit me with her car she said something like i i slowed down i slowed down and i pulled myself off of her car and then i started screaming at her that a bear was chasing me so so where did the bear go i mean it sounds like in the story the bear just sort of suddenly vanishes back into the woods where a bear would be the bear is sort of like that uh, the bear's like the boulder in the beginning of raiders of the lost ark that is rolling after indy and then suddenly he's there on the ground and the hovatos uh, are all around him and you suddenly wonder where the boulder went but there's kind of no explanation
So the bear, de- oh, the bear was tranquilized, and oh, this is bad. Oh, was the bear destroyed because of this pregnant woman? You know, running through the woods where she didn't belong it was the bear's natural <laughs> habitat. The bear's house. Maybe you ought not to go where the bears are, lady. You know, this is another another reason, Tim, why now I root for the animals. <laughs> Now Tim Riley is all sullen and besmirched. Oh, by the way, speaking of pregnant ladies, let me just, uh, Vegas was full of women who appeared to be pregnant. And I, and I say appeared to be because you don't really know. It's like how in, uh, in some locales, <laughs> you can play that um, daughter or girlfriend game. In Vegas, there's several variations on that. You can do daughter or girlfriend. You can do daughter or high-priced whore. Or you can do pregnant or just not quite looking all the way into that full-length mirror before you leave the house in that tight-fitting shirt. And the Britney uh, show was full of women who had, I mean, it's like they were smuggling a pony keg or something uh, right there. And then the shirt that was real tight over the front of it. And you couldn't quite tell if they were with child or whether they just had a certain kind of just a... uh, like an aesthetic blind spot uh, when they checked out their reflection. And, and it's almost gotten to the point where you can't tell what gender they are. No. No, it was not. I mean, and just just people who looked like they were just made out of a series of fleshy building blocks. Uh, it was Like inflatable rafts with hair. <laughs> exactly, Tim. That's ex- By the way, uh, not to be this guy, but I do have to say that uh, Brittany herself was... Um, she was uh, wearing a few outfits that were not all that flattering. Uh, she was uh, bulging a little bit. In, That's in, why, why she wears hair extensions. On, hey, but you know who did the intro to the to Britney's show? I mean, it wasn't live; it was pre-produced. But on because you know Britney's album is called Circus, and so the whole show is this kind of demonic circus theme. And I really, it's kind of pointless for me to even try to describe it, except to say it's that something it, Madonna would do. But the production value really was quite something. I mean, it was it was really uh, exemplary, uh, you know, performance. I mean, it was just in terms of in terms of what's going on on the stage. Because, I mean, clearly... Uh, you know, I, they probably put it together if there was such a cause that she did not show up and nobody would notice. Well, that's my thing. Is like, is, well, and even if she's there, it's like, how long could you just sit there and uh, stare at the stage while Britney uh, you know, mimes something? And the answer is not very long. So it's like they always got to have something going on. So it was quite literally a three-ring circus happening. Where there's, but it was all like with this weird, strange Trent Reznor German kind of Teutonic, like hang me from some nipple rings uh, thing going on. Uh, where it was, where it was like Barnum and Bailey as done by like those guys in Rammstein as done by, you know, like Bauhaus. It's all very freaky. But the, f- the finale is that womanizer song, and that's what I called Sarah's cell phone uh, on Saturday. And I was doing, I was being that guy at the concert where I'm calling Sarah. I'm like, listen to Britney Spears. And I just hold the phone up uh, to the speakers that are sort of pointing in my direction, where Britney and all of her dancers are out doing uh, the womanizer song as hot cops. I mean, they're all dressed as like like the village people's sex police or something. But Britney's outfit was... Um, it was a little bit more snug, was I think. It a little ill-fitting. Yeah, it was not really... Uh, not really uh, stitched up all that uh, all that properly, given her current size. So, all right. Uh, let's do uh, one more here with uh, Tim Riley. Well, let's see here. Well, we must do this one, then. <laughs> this comes to us from Vancouver and not our neighbor right across the state border, the other Vancouver in British Columbia. Uh, police on a Vancouver island got a call about a suspicious activity in a dumpster. When the officer arrived, he discovered a man and a woman having, uh, well, relations in a dumpster. It was 1.45 in the morning, dark. They were called out to the dumpster, and I guess he knocked on the dumpster. Hello, hello, hello. Got no response. So uh, he went over for a closer look with his flashlight, poked his head into the dumpster, and there were people naked and intertwined. Naked oh, and God, that is a bad phrase. Naked and writhing, Tim. Mm-hmm. 
There in the a- kind of ecstasy that only mounds of garbage can really induce in young lovers. So the 30-year-old woman was sent home, no questions asked, but the 26-year-old was arrested because he'd been in trouble before. So apparently having sex in a dumpster is not in and of itself illegal. No, that's it was a, down to Canada. That's what you can get off with a warning, so to speak. The lady did. All right. and uh, But the gentleman was arrested. All right. Well, there you go. So, you know, if you're going to have sex in a dumpster, maybe just, uh, you know, just go the full nine yards and just pull the lid down so that you're not it disturbing. Like some wacky morning show stunt. <laughs> disturbing others with your moans of uh, refuse-covered passion. Just disturbing in almost every way. And I want to know also if, like... Th- if it is some sort of garbage fetish, which it almost sounds, it's like that movie it with... Ha- it has to be. But doesn't it sound like it's that movie with James Spader? What is that movie where they, it's like they have to go hump by the side of the road near car accidents? You know what I'm talking about? No. Was no. that movie, it was Crash with uh, James Spader and... Um, no, Crash is it's a, d- a different one. Same same name, different movie. Came out about four years, five years, six years earlier, something like that. It's James Spader and like, uh, what is it? Who's the woman from Raising Arizona? Is it Holly Hunter? Yes. So it's James Spader and Holly Hunter, and they both share this fetish where the only way they can achieve sexual fulfillment, I swear to God, is by having sex by the side of the road near car accident sites. So this is sort of like that, except it's in a dumpster. Not so much Crash as it is Trash. Uh, it was an unfortunate rhyme, but I'm wondering if it was like a thing where they like, did they scope out the particular, did they disrobe outside once they found the dumpster where they yeah, sort of, is there a changing room next to the dumpster? Is that were, what you're asking? Were they tooling around? Maybe in a recycling bin, Tim. Were, were, were they, maybe if you see the recycling bin might not do the job. That might be altogether too clean. I was wondering if there's a sort of, uh, just joyriding around town in his jalopy. It's probably one of those kinky Craigslist things. Looking for the... Is looking for uh, you know, looking for the dumpster that calls out to them in just the right kind of filthy voice. All right, well there you go. It's a five zero three. Back up five zero three two two eight four one zero one five zero three two two eight four one zero one. We have uh, transitioned into a new studio here at the Rock One Hundred One. The Rick Emerson Show continues next with our feature interview with Kiefer Sutherland, followed by Norm, uh, more news from Tim Riley at the uh, news desk. And smells like the nineties at nine o'clock with a good friend Buzz. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. I have stayed away from it like a bad clam. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. Oh, by the way, so as I was at the uh, airport last night in Vegas waiting to see if I could get on the standby flight, uh, which I did, because my backup plan was to fly into Seattle. I would have gotten to Seattle last night around 1230, rent a car, get on the road by 1, and make it here by about 430 this morning because Rick Emerson is a game day player. But... I didn't have to do that because I got onto this uh, the flight that got me here. I don't know about the one o'clock or something last night. I was there and was just surrounded by dudes who were watching the Blazers game on their, uh, you know, like on their cell phone, on their BlackBerry, or whatever. Oh yeah, people freak the hell out about well, the Blazers because you were doing the punk show last night, right? And Lisa Wood was watching. Yeah, Lisa it. Wood was here because we have a TV right in that other room, and so we were, could listen to it through the board, but watch it through the window. And so Sarah puts out this uh, this great Twitter post like Lisa Wood is making creepy sex noises during the Blazer game. I insist that she stop. She is like all my friends are obsessed with the Blazers, and it's kind of annoying because I keep getting. Dragged to places, I'm like, okay, you know, everybody I know is obsessed with them, so I'll go and watch the games. And everyone gets so mad, and they throw things, and they're yelling, and I don't know. Except for Lisa Wood, who sounds as though she's reaching, reaching some sort of dumpster-humping-style ecstasy. <laughs> Please do explain now the sex noises that she would make. No, she would just start going, yes, 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 and then start making, like, these weird... <laughs> 
noises. I'm just like Lisa. You gotta calm down. Facial contortions. Yeah. Because 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 you're not watching the game. You're sort of in here and you can't see what she's seeing. So it just sounds all out of context. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh <laughs> hey. Uh, so speaking of victory uh, or lack thereof. So I'm sad to report that Sarah Dillon's uh, Sleep Country uh, bowling team was dealt a crushing defeat at the hands of Rick Emerson's. Like it had anything to do with you. You should thank your team. I you would have taken them down. You know what? Uh, here, no, there's that. That is a thing on which there will be no disagreement because I would have been just a huge bowling anchor. So my team, ably led by Jenny, uh, Jenny, who actually hit seven strikes in a row. She didn't. Yesterday at the Sleep Country Foster Kids Pajama Bowl. Seven strikes in a row, which is 240 points, ladies and gentlemen. 244 points, Ricky. I don't know if you were there. 244. Um, so I will be uh, taking the whole team out to lunch. So congratulations and uh, well done to you all. And, uh, of course, all of that, uh, the money we raise goes to benefit Trillium Family Services, which is a fine organization of people. So thank you to everybody who bowled on my team and Sarah's team and all the other teams here at KUFO. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, really, I mean, 244 points. I mean, was anybody else? Because I, I haven't really gotten the full rundown yet. The, the rest of the folks on my team, I mean, were they all just, I mean, probably nobody else is hitting seven strikes. But, I mean, was... I'm but, not sure. I don't. I don't know what your final score was. How did your team do? Uh, I mean, obviously, okay. obviously, you were overshadowed by I my team's uh, triumphant emergence. Stop even trying to bask in the glory of something that had nothing to do with you. I'm just saying. I'm nothing trying to, be, to do with you. I'm, why can't you let me be happy for other people? I'm happy for other people, just not for you. Me too. I am happy at the. Uh, I'm happy for all the people who actually showed up at the. At the <laughs> and all the children thing. you saved, even though you weren't here. That's right, Tim. Yes, all the children you saved by buying me smokeless cigarettes and going to watch Britney Spears shake her cakes. Well, you know what? I'm trying to live an existence that has many facets to it. <laughs> uh, so, and, and anyway, so thank you to everybody who came out to the uh, sleep. It was free. really fun. You would have had a really good time. What? N- nothing. Oh no no! I said it was really fun. Okay, just waiting for you to follow that up. No, so no, it, it was it was a really good time. Like honestly, like your team was really cool. Mine was cool. Like it was you, me, and Lisa Wood's team all in a row. So thanks to everybody who came out for that. Uh, that was yesterday at uh, the Sleep Country Foster Kids Pajama Bowl, and I don't know. So sometime in the next few weeks, uh, I'll be sort of taking everybody out to lunch who was on my team, and I will be uh, wearing a stylish set of pajamas for that. So. I have them all picked out too. Right? Do you? Mm-hmm. Excellent. So that'll be taking place at uh, I don't know a destination and time uh, to be announced. So uh, we want to extend a, uh, a hearty, uh, much obliged uh, to everybody uh, who was part of it. It was, uh, it was very cool. We'll have photos and uh, video and everything of all of that up at uh, KUFO.com uh, very soon, ladies You're and so lucky. <laughs> There's so much bad video of me in my bowling pants. Yeah, but I mean, at least you're in a place where everybody else is wearing pajamas, as opposed to uh, me when I go out to lunch where it's going to be uh, just me. Yep. So. Uh, Bobby was wearing a purple negligee. And uh, Court was wearing saggy, um, a saggy onesie that went all the way down to his knees. I find the phrase onesie to be sort of... <laughs> Tim's facial expression says everything, by the way. <laughs> all right, it's 503-733-2970. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, uh, so we were uh, fortunate enough uh, last Thursday. Was it Thursday? It was Thursday. Last week yes, was Thursday just blending was crazy together. Day. Yeah. Uh, the last few uh, days, last week, just one huge is just confluence of activity. So we were uh, fortunate enough to spend a few minutes with uh, Kiefer Sutherland, who was in town, uh, along with Jude Cole, who was uh, was and is um, you know a pop slash rock musician, and together they run Ironworks Music. And Ironworks Music puts out a series of uh, albums by bands, including a band called Billy Boy and Poison, who we've been playing here on the Rick Emerson Show. So we sat down and we shared a few minutes with Kiefer Sutherland and Jude Cole talking about uh, Kiefer Sutherland's uh, interest in getting into music, how that came to be, how it sort of intersects with all of his other stuff, you know, his acting. And those guys have both got, you know, a lot of plates that are always spinning. So without further ado, we present the Rick Emerson Show interview with Jude Cole and Kiefer Sutherland. 
If you've been listening to Rock 101 KUFO, you have heard the song On My Way by a band called Billy Boy on Poison. And their upcoming album is Drama Junkie Queen. It's on Ironworks Music, which is in turn run by two men you know well, actor-director Kiefer Sutherland and singer-songwriter Jude Cole. Thank you very much for coming and spending some time with us today. Thanks so much for having us, man. I, I have to ask you guys, how did this come together? How did this confluence of the two of you running this record label come to be? we had started to see that a lot of these fantastic bands that we were watching around town weren't getting signed by labels because the music is obviously in a huge transition phase. Uh, and we thought, you know, we'll start making their records and we can use their records to help get them deals with the major labels. Uh, and so we would be a production entity. Are there common musical elements or themes, things that resonate with both of you that you know, that you hear and you say, that's the kind of thing we need to be attached to. Well, it's it's not the genre of music specifically, but I think the common ground for Jude and I both is songwriting. Obviously, Billy Boy on Poison is a straight-ahead, good, hard rock band. Uh, but it's all of them are really, really wonderful writers. And it sounds like the live performance is something that you guys put a great amount of weight on, too, the ability to walk out on stage in front of a crowd uh, and really just bring it. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, we're talking about a music industry that's going through massive transition. I mean, I see the day coming where all the musical content from albums and everything else, that will all be free. What is going to be the special night or the special thing that we can offer is going to be the concert. You guys obviously have a deep and abiding love of music. What was the song or the album that first kind of captivated you? It was the, it was the spark. I think it that. was on our Hawaiian honeymoon. I was going to say it was a hot tub in the Hollywood Hills in 1988. <laughs> that sounds mad. <laughs> Jude, uh, the way I met Jude, actually, Jude played guitar at my my wedding when I was 19 years old, and he was very good friends with my ex-wife, and uh, we we did our vows and everything else, and I was walking straight from there to the bar, and I passed Jude, and he was playing some kind of a love song. I said, how are you doing, man? And he said, hi, and uh, you know, it was one of those rare things where we became best friends in like 10 minutes, and I think we had a road trip once uh, from Los Angeles to Savannah, Georgia, and I was going to go do a film. 1969. And, yeah, and we listened to the White Album for 3,000 miles. and <laughs> I think there was a little Leonard Skinner thrown in there, too, but... Yeah, yeah, but we, but we discussed album. that record just nonstop. <laughs> and, and Jude, actually, in, in all fairness, I stopped playing guitar when I first heard Jude play because I figured if you're not going to play... If I can't play like that, I don't want to play. Um, Jude taught me uh, a great deal about music, turned me on to a lot of stuff that uh, I didn't know about. Uh, the extent of my record collection was whatever my brother was listening to at 17. Uh, and so, it, it, you know, my education really kind of came from him. This is a good opportunity to play the song that we've just been talking about, Billy Boy on Poison. Uh, the album is called Drama Junkie Queen, and this is On My Way on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Everson Show. We're here with Kiefer Sutherland and Jude Cole, Billy Boy and Poison, uh, On My Way. Uh, the album is Drama Junkie Queen, and uh, it is available everywhere as of uh, July 7th. I have to ask uh, something that I had read, Jude, and this may be wrong. This may be one of those things that sort of floats around the Internet and just takes on a life of its own. Were you in the prom band scene in the John Cusack film Better Off Dead? I was. Yes. Fantastic. Pleased to be telling what instrument you played. I am you so thrilled that I didn't even have to rat that out. <laughs> But, Suffice it to say, I'm like the worst actor but ever. But come on, Better Off Dead, that's a 
pretty rad movie. Better Off Dead was, uh, just, I was in a band. I was with Ichi Daly. Uh, mm-hmm. She was my roommate at the time. Wearing a polka dot uh, dress, by the way. Yeah. Uh, which I yeah. can still picture with crystal clarity. Yeah. <laughs> That's not creepy. That was, Boy, uh, that sounded weird and creepy. Right? I'm sorry about that. So, I, I, I mean, I guess I could sort of, I could do the, the uh, filmic yin to the musical yang by asking about Brotherhood of Justice, um, <laughs> which I wore out on VHS, uh, by the way, as a younger man, because it was just when I saw it uh, as a kid, I remember, this is awesome. This film is everything that movies ought to be. And I could still picture scenes from... Uh, Jude has no idea what you're talking about. This was a television film that I did with Keanu Reeves and Billy Zane yeah, in 1986. And, Isn't that uh, the same year as Lost Boys? Yeah, which was really funny. We shot that first. Then I went and did Lost Boys, both in the same area in Capitola. Uh, Lost Boys to the south on the beach in the boardwalk. And this other thing... Uh, this other thing, that thing <laughs> on the other side of the hill, <laughs> which cannot be named. It was, uh, yeah, but it was, you know, at that at that point, I kept going by the motto when I was like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, uh, and I had just come down from Canada and finished theater school, and it was at that point, work breeds work, work breeds work. It doesn't matter if it's crap, work breeds work. Uh, if I could go back and kind of change some of that, I would. Do you think in a parallel uh, existence you might have become uh, a full-time musician? Do you think that that is a thing that you would have pursued? It would have been an absolute desire of mine. The only thing that got in my way is that I can't play, and I'm not, I don't really have a talent for it. It's, he can play. Well, it sounds like you got intimidated by it. Well, it's not. There's, you know, I always love the story when you, when you actually hear the Beatles and when you would, when you would kind of hear about them when they started, that John and Paul just had this natural gift, this natural talent. And George Harrison had to practice 10 hours a day just to stay in the room with them. Uh, you know, I didn't have the discipline to practice 10 hours a day because I would have been that kind of a musician. It would have had to, I would have had to grind it out. Uh, and, you know, so it, I was very lucky actually to meet Jude. And then I met a bunch of other musicians through him to kind of get the clarity that this wasn't going to be my calling and that I could actually then at that point focus kind of my energy into something that I did have a natural kind of gift for and, and, and a, a love for, which was theater and, and then ultimately film. Is there for you um, a moment, a passage, an instant in a song, whether it's new or old, that just it will give you chills every time you hear it? There are very succinct moments where, for me as a listener, I hook into a song. Uh, um, Kings of Leon. Right. Uh, that that chorus when he goes out. Oh, the sex is on fire. Yes, that hook right there. I just, I love that. Um, so there are very distinct moments uh, where I will hear a track and I will respond to it viscerally because of a specific thing. I, I always, I, I guess, go to the stairway to have an example because it's so, it's so iconic. That I there, can play that. Can you? In its entirety? <laughs> yes. I have a guitar in the other room. Don't make me bring it in. Well, and, 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 you know, I mean, every generation has music that represents, I mean, you're talking about Stairway to Heaven. He's talking about the Beatles, uh, you know. Every generation has Molly has has music <laughs> that represents and cre- and and are the memories of your life. I mean, I can tell you exactly what girl I was dating when Meatloaf came out. Oh I can my tell god! You exactly, I just named my favorite artist of all time. You know, bad out of hell. I mean, my whole winter in the in in Leanne Godwin's basement. You know, <laughs> listening to that 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 album. Whether anybody likes that album now, that has a real personal place for me. It was like my first kiss. Um, I think one of the things that I do feel sad about, I have, you know, I have two daughters. Uh, my youngest is 21. She's never actually had an LP or an album that she opened up and saw the artwork to and hung the posters on. You know, that time has gone. I think 
in our world to kind of shrink everything down and digitize everything and everything's on iTunes. She lost kind of this investment that I think I remember as an audience person. But there is something very kind of uh, just visceral about rock and roll. And I'm seeing I'm seeing it start to shift. And I'm, I'm very excited about that because it's something that, that I think is – really healthy. Do you think some of that uh, evolution of music and the, the, the sense of a bare bones, very bare knuckle kind of rock coming back in some degrees, or at least a very honest, stripped down kind of rock is a reaction to, to the times? Do you think bad times make for good rock? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. I think it's, it's, it's much more simple than that. I think, you know, one of the joking mottos, and, and I'll try and put this as eloquently as possible and not get you fined, but uh, basically, our motto for for a band is if it doesn't make you want to f- or fight, you know, uh, and that was F A R K for anyone at the thank FCC. You, thank you. I'm going to bleep it to make it sound profane anyway. But oh, if it doesn't right. make you want to f- or fight, it ain't worth it. And I think rock and roll is kind of that guttural, uh, and I think people have missed it. Kiefer Sutherland and Jude Cole, and we were talking about Billy Boy on Poison. The uh, song is On My Way, and the album Drama Junkie Queen is uh, going to be released July 7th. And ironworksmusic.com is where you can find out more about you guys and what you do in the world of music. So uh, continued success in life oh, and you, art man. and all things, my friends. Thank Thanks, Thanks so much us. for having us. This was great. Thank oh, you, man. Thank you. All, all right. right. Kiefer Sutherland and Jude Cole. All right, so there. cool. God, his voice is just... Mellifluous. And just to, and two guys who really uh, clearly are doing it for the for the right reasons. Who are very obviously music fans, just to their core. So uh, our thanks also to Greg Nibbler, uh, who took about forty four minutes worth of interview and kind of honed it down to the best nine minutes there. So that is uh, Greg Nibbler on the uh, virtual edit. Here's to you, Nibbler. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show continues next on Rock 101 KUFO. <laughs> Now, here's traffic. Big accident on Canyon Road at 103rd. The westbound lanes are closed, and they're going to be closed for quite some time. Both ODOT, police, and fire at the scene. That's Canyon Road at 103rd, westbound closed. That's traffic on Rock 101 KUFO. All right, by the way, I'm getting emails from uh, people who are on the, the my uh, Sleep Country uh, Foster Kids bowling team. Uh, this is from Jenny. She of the seven strikes in a row, uh, 244 points. Bowling, seriously, dude, no one was more surprised than I was about yesterday. I don't even frigging bowl like that, ever. It was the perfect combination of hangover, beer, and caffeine that did it, I think. Best bowling ever, all right? Uh, let's see, how about this one? This is from John, another guy who was on my uh, team. Our John's final... wife was on my team. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, she won't be happy about this. John says, our final team score was almost two times Sarah's team score. <laughs> all right, thank you, John, Jenny, and everyone. It's well done. True. Uh, so I was, of course, uh, not there. I was uh, helping children from afar. Uh, what I was actually, I was in uh, Vegas, and so I had uh, breakfast yesterday. It was just like one of those big kind of, you know, casino breakfasts where it's like $7, and they just bring you just a huge plate of starch and fat and cheese, which is fantastic. But then you realize that all you've got is like right there in the middle is just the, uh, like the Tabasco uh, bottle, which, I mean, I, you know, I spent a lot of my uh, life putting that on everything, but you realize that... And when you put Tabasco sauce on something, it just everything just tastes like that. That there is, you know, none of the flavor of the actual food is left over, um, which is what makes something like Secret Aardvark Habanero Hot Sauce uh, even more exceptional because it, it augments your flavor. It sort of adds to the flavor without covering it up, without masking it, or without making everything so hot that it's inevitable. It is hot. It is spicy. But it's also very flavorful. The recipe created right here in Portland. It's a Portland company as well. You can find out more about it at Secret Aardvark.com. 
secretartvark.com. That's with two A's, secretartvark.com. It's available at all New Seasons Markets and Portland Area Whole Foods. You can go to their website and find out more. Now, if you go to your, uh, your store, you go to your local restaurant, you don't see it there, you can ask them to carry. You can go to secretartvark.com, cut out the middleman, find out exactly where you can go to find it. Secret Artvark Abanero Hot Sauce. You are going to enjoy it. Secret Artvark Abanero Hot Sauce. One sauce to rule them all. Rick Emerson. All boobs are his niche. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Well, everybody's got to be good at something, Tim. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Don't forget, coming up at 9 o'clock, our good friend Buzz with Smells Like the 90s. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dawn Taylor from Cinematical and from TMZ.com, Katie Darrell, ladies and gentlemen. All right. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Breaking news, a low-flying airplane over New York City causes panic. They didn't tell anyone, but this was a photo op. It was flying dangerously low toward the Statue of Liberty. Well, uh, teenagers especially are warned to stay out of Mexico for now due to the swine flu cases. They can find the same thing here in the States on Craigslist as they might find there. A pregnant woman is chased by a bear and hit by a car, believe it or not. And the bear had to die because of the pregnant woman. A British Columbia couple are caught having relations intertwined in a dumpster by a policeman in the middle of the night. Now, wait a minute. So it's just, uh, is this the dumpster that you have on your website? Yes, it is. This is the dumpster in question. It's not like a like a replica of a dumpster or a dumpster similar no, to this one. No, it is the actual dumpster. All right, hold on. If I'm anyone gonna... else wants to visit, it's going to become a tourist attraction. <laughs> It'll be right next to uh, like Larry Craig's bathroom stall. All right, let's see here. So, is this, it at RileyLive.com? It, it is. is. Yes, you go to RileyLive.com. It's right underneath the B. Arthur clip. Canadian canoodling. <laughs> Here's the thing, and I know that it sounds like I'm That's stating awesome. the obvious here, but this dumpster is filthy. I mean, it's not even like, like, I would, like well, I'm sure they're going to rinse it out now that it's attracting all this oh, attention. The inside looks like it's crusted with something. I think it is, Sarah. Yeah, with and love. I, yes. Crusted with love. It's, crust, it's crusted with l'amour. Um, From Canada with love. But I, but I was thinking that, I don't know, maybe like it was just sort of like a dumpster that was kind of papery. You know what I mean? Like maybe where you just... We have put, some nice clean dumpsters in the back of our building. Yeah. Well, so encourage people. <laughs> like you... Uh, you know, like if you were to have, uh, I don't know, some sort of office waste or something, where it was just like, uh, you know, it was like sheets of paper from the printer mm-hmm. or perhaps bits of folded cardboard. This isn't that. This is like, this looks as though it stinks and as though there is probably three or four inches of garbage juice. And what's with the, the giant tire in the foreground, too? I don't know. Maybe that's to give it a sense of scale. <laughs> or maybe they weren't able to... Maybe it's part of the fetish. Maybe they weren't able to clamber into the dumpster themselves and they had to climb up on the tire to do it. And it does also, if you look near the front, there's some big sort of bags of trash that have been moved, which is like, I wonder if those are the sort of the pillows. Like if that's the, if those are the love seats of the dumpster world. Well, these points to ponder. All right. Life in these United States or Canada. All right. Thank you, Tim Riley. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom. Your personal savior, Tim Riley on the phones and editing Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians. Uh, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The web mistress is Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds, executive producer of The Rick Emerson Show, Christopher J. Paddock. We want to thank Cena Radio correspondents James Roop, as well as uh, Steve Kastenbaum plus Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Don Taylor from Cinematical and uh, from TMZ.com, Katie Darrell. All right, thank you all for uh, listening. Coming up next in mere moments, Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. It is Monday, April 27th, 2009, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, I'm Rick Emerson. Thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye. I pity the fool tries to-